The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. E-A-G-L-E-S Eagles Nine hours, four minutes Nine hours, four minutes Until the closeout comes Yes, welcome in Red October, Red Thursday Happy Friday Eve Thursday, yes it is Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network Rob Ellis, Derek Gunn D gun in the house. Rob, your energy level surpasses anything I've heard from you before. And I wonder why, <laughs> uh, but I understand why, because not only did the Phillies win, but you were in attendance for the spectacle. So I've got a lot of questions I need to ask you about the, the onsite experience as we, we, we kick off this show today. All right, let's do it, man. I, I, I will. I'll just tell you this, Derek. You, sometimes you have a day. Sometimes you know. Look, we've all we've all had tough goes. We've all had days where you're like, "Please let it end." I just want to get through this day. I want it to be over. I had a day yesterday that was uh, like you almost couldn't have drawn it up any better. It was mm. absolutely perfect. So mm. we finished the show. Yeah. Uh, right around two p.m. our time, Eastern Standard Time, and uh, I had tickets. Game was at five o'clock. My wife gets home, gets home from work around 2.30. She took a, a little bit of a shorter day uh, teaching yesterday. Okay. So she gets home. Um, we, you know, get, get ready to roll. We get out of here about 2.45. We go. We pick up my sister-in-law who lives not far uh, from the ballpark, which is perfect because then yep. we just took little side roads, you know, to, to get there. So we get there, Derek, by 3.30, right, right okay. around 3.30 hour and a half before the game first of all the day in philadelphia was perfection it was like high 60s low 70s mm. sunny but not beating you down uh a little breeze just perfection so you know we, we got there a little bit early went into the ballpark probably 4 30 uh wanted to see everything you know with the with the whole pop and circumstance all the introductions which were freaking awesome they did a really nice job. They paused for a moment of silence. Everything's going on in Israel. Like, uh, 
you know, and the, the, they unfurled the flag. It, it was it was great. It was absolutely great. And I, you know, early on, I, and I think there were two keys to this thing. And I'm I'm going to show you some pictures too, by the way. Okay. Uh, which tone has? I want I want to give you give a little little set the scene for you, uh, if you will, with with the way things went down last night. But uh, when Nola only gave up one early, yes, I thought, I, I, and I thought the Braves were on him early. They got what four yeah. hits right out of out of the gate. Yeah, I'm when he didn't implode. Yeah, he yeah. kept it together. I'm like, okay, this is a really good sign. Like yeah. that that was huge. Uh, yeah, Tone, you could, you can throw them up there. I'll I'll talk over them uh, if if you want. So yeah. All right, so Gunner, this was this was our seats. So we were in like right center field. So we were sitting, okay. uh, think like right in the middle of sort of Castellanos and Rojas. Okay, if that makes sense, we're, yep. we're, we're right there. This was the beginning of the game when the Phillies were coming out uh, to start the game. Okay, nice. and you can just you can advance the, to the next one, Tone, if you want. Uh, all right. Uh, so yeah, um, there was that, and then um, the other key I thought. Yeah, and you just keep firing them up, Baritone. So this is a little bit later as as the game went on. You can see where it's it's dark at that point. But we had great seats. Um, but I thought the other key was Castellanos' first home run that tied it because the place was a little, I want to say quiet, but it was a little, like, pensive. Like a little, ner- little nervous. Like, just a little nervous. Nervous yeah. is a good way to put it. So Castellanos' home run and Nola not imploding were great signs. And then after that, Third inning, the onslaught set in. And so these are some of the reactions as things start going on, okay, in my section. All right? So everybody's going bananas as, oh, as the home runs are hit, you know, in the whole nine. And then I'll show you one which which gives you an idea of the fireworks, which were really, really cool. Okay. Uh, after every home run, there were, like, fireworks, and it would kind of go dark for a minute. But check that out. That's pretty cool, right? Wow. Yeah. yeah isn't, that, isn't that a great shot? That, that's a great that's shot. That's awesome. But, see, you messed up. So you messed up. You needed to be in the shot. The fireworks should have been over your shoulder. You know what? My wife took all the shots with her camera, and I didn't get them yet from her. So I, I'll let me let me text her. I'll get them to you before we okay. get out of here today. So um, so so I got to ask you this: How yeah. early did you get there? We got there. We 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 arrived at about three thirty for a five o'clock. Three thirty. Okay. Okay. Plenty of time. Yeah. Oh yeah. Plenty, plenty of time. time. Perfect. Okay. It was perfect. So were the were the stands where you were were they already full? Because you know Phillies fans like to get to places early. Were they already full? Oh heck yeah, yeah heck yeah they were full. Yes, one hundred percent. Tone, I'm sending you uh, at least one other one. All right, I got I got one more for you, Tone. All right. So anyway, um, yeah, the, the stands were full. It was crazy. Everybody's wearing those overalls that, that Garrett Stubbs wears now. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. not an overall guy. I can't pull off. The oh, come on, Rob. No, no. Look, if you're no. going to be out there with the bleacher creatures, you got to wear it. You got you to have the motif going, man. Yeah, no. Listen, come on, I dude. know what I can pull off and what I can't pull off, and I can't pull off overalls. I'm not an overall guy. But anyway, I, it's fun to see. Everybody's in their gear. All right, yeah, Tone, give me that one. All right, this is – this is so I'll give you a little shot. So there you Bob, go. There's my son, Bobby, on the left. Yeah. And Maggie's in the middle. Obviously, there I am. Uh, so wait, 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 wait. Where's Rob's Philly jersey? I have a, I had my Phillies hoodie on, but it was hot at that point. So I had my oh, Philly okay. shirt on. That yeah, was okay. you can't see it, but yeah. I had I had my I had my gear. I was geared up, man. I was geared up. Now, as jacked up as you were for yeah. the game, there's always food and beverages involved. Yes. Did did you did you partake of the food and beverages? And on top of that, what was the general cost you spent for that kind of stuff? That 
was not uh, cheap. <laughs> that was not cheap. Uh, that the the problem is um, when you go to the concession stand and yep. you're you're buying for three of us. My, my sister in law got something else. She didn't want to get what we were getting. Whatever. Okay. But I, and I won't name the name of the place uh, out of right. out of uh, for our sponsors' purposes. But, right. Right. Yeah, it was a heavy duty bill. So I got uh, I got a pizza. Okay. I got a, 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 I got one beer. I drank a beer. I had one beer on the night. That's all. I don't, I don't usually, cause I don't want to be up going to the sure bathroom. You, time. Sure you did. Yeah, no, I only had one. <laughs> Although it was a 25 ouncer, but it was. There like, you go. That's like, that's like, that's like three bottles. Yeah. So anyway, but I had, I, I had, I had that. I got a, a small like personal pizza. My wife and son split a cheesesteak and fries mm. and. Yeah, and then I think they got ice cream later. I probably spent in the neighborhood of like 80 bucks, 70 God, bucks. God, for three yeah. people. Woo! Yeah, yeah. It ain't easy, man. Crazy, man. It ain't easy. But but anyway, look, I'm not complaining. Like I said, it no, was absolute no. perfection. It was absolute perfection. So Nathan spent 1034 Oh, my God. Wow. For, for what? Wait, wait, Nathan. 1034 for what? Is that including parking Everything? tickets and food or what? Yes. Or just tickets. Because yes. as we know, when it comes to playoff games in any sport, if you want primo seats, all of a sudden the price goes whoop through the roof. Yeah. I, I, I think I did take out a second mortgage just for four hot four dogs. Four hot dogs and four beers. Yeah. yeah. It's uh and, and Chuck says oh, he said that was your estimate. Nathan says that was his estimate. Oh, oh, okay. oh, yeah. No, a little okay. bit less. But yeah, Chuck, of course. Yes, it was a plain pizza, Chuck. You were correct, sir. Bro, yes. Come on, man. <laughs> Come on, you guys know me. You know me better than that. You can't just live off cheese pizza, man. Yeah, and, and thank you, you. thanks everybody for the for the kind words for the picture. Yeah, we had yeah. we had an awesome time. So my son interned with the Phillies this summer, right. Hunter, and they asked him to stay on during the postseason, which is a nice compliment to him. Nice. You know, it, nice. it was good for him. So he was already down there. He was he was there at like eleven in the morning uh, for the game because he helps in like the ticket office and stuff. Sure. And so he met us right at the seats as soon as the game ended. So it, it really just everything kind of yeah, went off started when without it. And I actually got out of there, you know, sold out house, the whole nine. I got out of there quick. Did I, you really? I got, yeah, man. I got out of there. I stayed for the whole game. Stayed till the very end. Like that last shot you saw the fireworks was, was of the last out. But so I stayed till the end, but I, you and I talked about this yesterday. We, we do our move where we park right near an exit. Yep. Even if you have to walk a little further to get to the game, that's fine because right. you get right out of it. And that's that's what I did. So we got out of there pretty smooth, man. But I'll wow. tell you, Antone, give me the uh, give me the stare down. So this is the highlight, you know, the night. Here's the thing, too. There's certain things that Derek and you know this when you're at a game. Yep. You can't pick up as well unless you're watching it on TV. OK, exactly. so that's Harper staring down. Arcia. Arcia. Um we couldn't tell what was going on when he hit the home runs. First of all, everybody's going, even when he's by at second base, the whole section is going nuts. Right. So right. You're, you're kind of missing, th you know, whatever. Everybody's just high-fiving. And let me say one more thing too, uh, uh, you know, about the game. And then I'll get into the Harper stare down. <clears throat> the, the atmosphere sometimes when you go to games, unfortunately, there's just knuckleheads who act like idiots. Right. Yep. Yep. And I will say this, and I, I mean this sincerely last night, man was the most unbelievable great cool happy atmosphere and, I, i've right. been around in a long time like everybody high-fiving each other when something good happens you know people are hugging like no bs no nonsense it was awesome uh but anyway so we didn't see this going on 
and he did it twice. So the background is, we talked about this a little bit yesterday. So Arcia, after the game on game two in, in Atlanta, said, attaboy, Harper, attaboy, Harper. Right. Uh, you know, basically ripping or nudging or poking Bryce Harper for the base running mistake. Oh, thank, thank you, thanking Harper for making a bit mistake. And, and yeah. Mr. Marcus is right. Very similar to the Iverson stare down at Tyrod yeah, yeah. in 2001. Very similar. Um, so oh. apparently Harper's teammates went to him and said, hey, you, you hear what uh, what he had to say? Yeah. What are you going to do about that? That's what they said to him. What are you going to do about that? Yeah, well, yeah. well, I think we know what he did about it. How about two home runs, uh, four RBIs, and Derek? How about this? They're eight zero in the postseason when he homers. Yep. And they've outscored yep. their opponent forty five to nine when he hits a home run in the postseason the last two years. Now, now when it comes to Arcia, okay. Now, I will say this because I've been in locker room scenarios and been outside of many locker rooms in a lot of sports and and in the playoff atmosphere. And when things happen, things are said, and you can understand it. It's the adrenaline rush. Yep. It's the excitement of you getting it done, especially when you take into consideration the Braves were dead to rights in game two, and then all of a sudden the script flips in the latter innings. Yep. Um, so as, as I discussed with you, what Arcia said, did he say it with the, close, with the doors closed and just him and his teammates, or did he ha- happen to make that mistake when the doors were open and the media was let in, because as we know in this business, always be careful because you never know where a microphone is. It's one right. of the first rules you learn as an entertainer, an athlete, as a journalist. Always be careful because the mic. Always think the mics are hot. You just yeah. and nowadays, since the advent of the smartphone, cell phones, everybody's got a, you know an apparatus pointed somewhere in, in society, everywhere, yeah. every moment of every day. Agreed. Um, I don't. I don't blame him for saying that because it was the adrenaline of the moment. But if somebody, if if somebody like a clubhouse attendant, um, and and a, and a media person, you know, is going to jump on that. That's going to be. It was a, a media member in Atlanta. Okay, yeah. a media member. See, certain th- and, and some of the play Atlanta players were ticked off. I read what they were ticked off because they said some things need to stay stay in house. Yep. And that's with any team. You do, that's that's the family. That's your moment to 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 celebrate, and you should be able to f- celebrate freely. Yeah, I mean, I've heard so many people athletes celebrate using expletives. You know, mm-hmm. when they celebrate, mm-hmm. you know, it's like "f you" so and so. Thank you. So yeah. it, it's yeah. a, you know, it's 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 a shame that it that it's got out from Atlanta's part. But what what uh, uh, what a what a piece of motivation it was for Harper to find out. Yeah, my goodness. Uh, my thing is like, if you if you don't want, I'm with you. Like we we are trained. You're around a mic. You better be very careful what you say, even if it's in a commercial, even if it's before the show, whatever. You got to be careful. So if you're going to chirp, just know that in this day and age, especially, things get out. It's not the way it used to. I no. mean, teams used to travel. Writers no. used to travel with teams back in the day, drink with the players, party with the players, Babe Ruth yep. on trains yep. with the, yep. and would do crazy stuff, and nobody would <clears throat> record. It doesn't work that not way anymore. No. So you say stuff, it's going to come back at you, and yeah, the whole thing like. I'm watching him last night and he's, you know, you know, he, he, you know, he was able, he was, he was saying that stuff. And then last night he's saying, well, that wasn't supposed to get out. Well, okay, yeah. man, it got yeah. out. I mean, that, that deal with it. And, you know, Darno is saying, you know, that's supposed to be our sanctuary. And, True. That, I agree with that. I yeah. do agree with well, that. Well, and we'll talk to Ben Davis who, 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 who will be great on this in, at 1130 because he played the game. But 
I don't look. I mean, it's like if you're going to say it, just Noah could get out and, and it is going to come back to haunt you. And, but, and the other thing is, that's not the dude you want to be doing that way. No, no. That's like stirring a hornet's nest. Yeah. You know, hey, not to deviate, but uh, uh, Daz, uh, Rangers, just real quick, Rangers, phenomenal. And how about the, the Diamondbacks? I mean, yes. my goodness. We'll talk more about that later in the show. But yeah. oh, my goodness, the, the Rangers and the Diamondbacks, and uh oh, the Astros are still alive. Unbelievable, man. Oh, the Astros goodness. are I, – I, I fear the Astros. There's no question about that. I don't want to look too far ahead. You're right. The Diamondbacks are playing incredible baseball. I mean, they're – man, they're an upstart bunch. They My really goodness. are. They, they just took Dodgers out. Uh, and the good news for the Phillies is if they are able to beat the Braves yep. in this series, they have home field advantage in the NLCS. So that's great. You know, um, the, fu- the funny thing is the Diamondbacks have taken a path similar – to what the Phillies did last year. Yes. Fought tooth and nail until the last few days of the season just to get into the playoffs as the sixth seed. And then they take out two division winners in the Brewers and the Dodgers and don't lose a game. They're 5-0. and Incredible. 5-0. and Incredible. Uh, here's the other thing, too. If if they if the Phillies could get to the World Series and Houston gets to the World Series, yep. the Phillies would have home field advantage. Yes. There. Yes. Um, yeah, so there's That's a couple crazy. scenarios playing out well for them. Um, that's for sure. But yeah, that's it was great. Crazy. It was great. And I, I props to Nola. Um, Nola, you know, really uh, gave them, it was five and two thirds, but two runs allowed. He gave up one and then one of his inherited runs scored, but two runs, 90, uh, nine strikeouts, just one walk, 92 pitches, his fourth straight strong outing, Derek, since that mechanical change. Yes, sir. Yes. So now, that's, now, um, I have to ask you this. Yeah. As a fan, as a fan sitting in those seats in right center. Yeah. When Atlanta jumped on him early and got the one run and the four hits off of him early, what was going through your mind? I was concerned. I was big time concerned. Like I yeah. thought, even though they didn't really smoke a couple of those balls, like Acuna hit, yeah, I didn't think they hit him all that hard, but with right. his history of coming apart at the seams, there's no, it was not just me. Everybody was just like, Ooh, all right, here we yep. go. And you can yep. just, you could hear the collective sort of groan from everybody in the stands like damn are we are we going here again and yeah. i thought I, I thought the braves were on him right out of the gate i'm like yeah they got him they figured him out already and i'm yeah. like geez here we go yeah you but know? when he got out of it i i thought okay maybe we're seeing a little bit of a different guy i think he got yeah. out of it yeah. and then and, and again like i said the castellanos home run sort of lifted all the angst i'm telling you when he hit that it was kind of like all right, everybody take a deep breath and it's one, one again, we're square and let's go. And then, and then everything, you know, the third inning was an explosion, but um, yeah, it was, that was big. I get, I give props to Nola. I I give props to, you know, I I thought they played good defense again. Turner had a bunch of good plays. Bohm had a bunch of good plays in the field, you know, considering Turner was coming off two errors in Atlanta. And the other thing, Derek is we, we talked about this a lot yesterday. They're very good at compartmentalizing as a team. Yes, yes. And they Excellent. didn't. There wasn't a carryover from that bad loss. No, no. As a matter of fact, if, if anything, they were more focused. If anything, you know. And I mean, once they got into their stride, man, it was like it was like bombs away. I mean, my goodness. I mean, that was the Phillies team we watched August and September just just raking raking them in. That was a hitting that was a hitting clinic last night on the Phillies yeah. part. Yeah, I mean, what you saw last night was exactly what they're capable of. Like, the, the the power, as great as Atlanta's lineup is, and it's loaded with talent, but that that Phillies lineup is nasty. Yes. It, I'll tell you, yes. what we're seeing from Harper, Derek, seven postseason games, 
the last two years against the Braves. Uh, 13 for 27, 481 average, five home runs, 10 RBIs, a 1.148 slugging percentage. I mean, he destroys this team. Destroys him. I know. And Tina's right. How about this? Last year in game three, Philly scored six runs in the third inning. Mm, Yep, that's right. That's right. And that was part of the the Hoskins bat slam, you know, and everything else that went down. They split the two games in Atlanta last year. They come home, have six run third innings, and win convincingly in game three. And, of course, you know, we know the story what happened in game four. So I mean, it's like the same scenario. The other two things in the crowd. So they start doing the mock tomahawk chop. Okay, did you do it? Did you do it? I didn't. I didn't. Uh No. No, everybody was doing it. I didn't do it. I look, I don't I don't like it to begin with, so I'm not gonna do it. I I and I but I appreciate a good mock. They were mocking them. I like that. And then the other thing they were doing was we want strider, which oh, yeah, okay, yeah. okay. Little careful what you wish for with that one. I that's well, all I'm saying. Little, well, little, you know little what? careful. Yeah, I, I agree with you, but also, hey, they beat Strider last year. They beat him this year in the postseason. Yeah. You know, he owned them in the regular season, but the second season is different. They're 2-0 they're and o against him in the postseason. Yeah. Um, and he's got a one two nine ERA. Now, he is lights out. When he is on point, he is it's difficult to hit as anybody in the National League. Yep. Um, and it's going to be an interesting game tonight. It really is. Um, and now, here's what, here's, here's what I'm thinking. Suarez is back on the hill. Yes. What's going through his mind because he got that quick hook in the last game? I hope he just goes out there and pitches and doesn't worry about being too fine, doesn't yep. worry about looking over his shoulder, doesn't have to worry about – and I'm sure Rob Thompson has talked to him today or will talk to him today thoroughly about right. scenarios, matchups, so on and so forth, to try to put him at ease. You know, I, you I agree to. with you. You have I, to. I, you know what the good thing is, Derek, though? He's a pretty – Even keel. He's easy going, man, that guy. Like, I don't think a lot of stuff bothers him. And yeah, but you good. know what? That look on his face, his last out—he was pissed. I mean, there's no was, doubt. You know, and yeah. then he, you know, he, he had a look of of not fully understanding why. As a combination of not understanding why, being ticked off, and concerned about who was relieving him. And then you saw the shot once. Uh, who was it? Hoffman got the final out that inning. He turned and walked down the steps like with a sigh of relief. Yes, but you could tell that was that was etched in his mind. And then you see later in the game where you see Rob Thompson has an interpreter talking to Suarez, telling him exactly why we did what we did. Right. You know, no, I, I, you're right. You're right. I, I, but I, I do think he'll be in in a, in a good mindset. I do. And, and he's, he's generally been a very good postseason pitcher for them. So I, I, I have confidence in Ranger tonight. I mean, I think it's just a matter of, Oh, by the way, for people who didn't know, it's an eight o'clock start, eight oh seven. It was yeah. originally six oh seven, but because the Dodgers got eliminated, it's an eight oh seven. Just so that's I got to watch two games tonight, Rob, because you know I got to watch. Yeah, you know, I don't care how bad a Thursday night football is game. You know I got to watch it. I know I'm the same. Got to watch. Here's the problem, though, Derek. The, the, and I'm I'm same with you. I'll be in front of the couch. I'll be on the couch tonight. You know, watching the game. The problem with Prime, and I have it. You know, right, and a part of it I pay for it's because of sports, right? Yep, yep. It's a pain in the butt to change to come off of it and go to flip over, flip back it and forth to it. Yes, it takes it, too it, long. I agree, a hundred percent. It drives me nuts. Yeah, you know, I miss um, stuff because I have to because it takes two three minutes to get back to it. I just I don't like that at all. Now I could just I guess I could just stream with my laptop, you know, the the football game and have the. Phillies up on the big screen or whatever. I I know I'm sure people will respond and say that in the chat. And you're right, I could do that. 
but I like just flipping my remote back and forth. Maybe I'm old school that way. Well, see, I was just going to tell you what I'm going to do is I'll have the football game on the TV and yeah. sitting sitting two feet from me. Um, I will have my phone on the game because you know you know I get Xfinity the Xfinity app on my phone, so right. I have the game right there in front of me. So I'll watch both, so I won't have to flip back and forth. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I'll, so I yeah I I maybe I will do that as to avoid that tonight. Um, because I, I see everybody saying that. I agree. You're right. All right. Uh, let's get a timeout. Let's talk to Ben Davis. Uh, Gunner, he is he's doing uh, uh studio work, pre and post for NBC Sports Philadelphia. He was part of the crew last night. Uh, it, this was. What a game, man. What a game. What a beatdown this was um, of the Braves for sure. I'm curious what the Braves' mindset is because they lost yeah, to the Phillies yeah. last year, and now yeah. all of a sudden they're on the brink again. So we'll, we'll get we'll get Ben's perspective on all that. We're talking tons of Eagles today, guys, by the way. Don't don't think we're not. Um, Fletcher Cox back at practice. N'Kobe Dean back at practice. But there's still some injury concerns here as yes. they head into the Jets game. So we'll do all those kind of things when we come back. Don't go anywhere. He's Derek Gunn. I'm Rob Ellis. We are Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. I want to tell you right now about Bravo Pizza of Havertown. Yes, I'm thrilled that they're a part of the channel. They're a part of the uh, the show. I've been going there since I was a kid. They've been family-owned since 1985. Just a great, great place. Uh, Bravo Pizza offers 20 different styles of pizza. They have slices to go. I get the grandma, which is the upside down. Uh, but they have specialized pizza any way that you like it. But if you're not up for pizza, they have fresh pasta. Sandwiches, wraps, wings, salads. The other thing is Bravo Pizza of Havertown is also committed to the community. They have fundraisers for charities, for schools, for little leagues, where the proceeds go to those organizations. You can follow them at the Bravo Pizza of on Instagram and Facebook, at the Bravo Pizza of for daily specials, for promotions, for the menu. They're at 1305 Westchester Pike in the Manoa Shopping Center in Havertown, 1305 Westchester Pike in the Manoa Shopping Center in Havertown. Give them a call right now, 610-446-3810. 610-446-3810. Bravo Pizza of Havertown. I remember getting my heart broken when they lost the Super Bowl in 2004. We're big Eagles fans. We moved to South Philly because of the Eagles. When they won, we went straight to Broad Street and uh, everybody was going nuts over there. And it was just a, a memory that you'll never forget. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, We've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call.
field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Champions on three. One, two, three. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Staffing is not easy, but that's what we do every day, all day. The key to our success is storytelling, asking the right questions to find the right people. Hi, I'm Gary Kane, president of Kane Partners. We want to be your staffing partner. Since 1977, it's always been about you, the community at Rafferty Subaru. And through the Subaru Love Promise, we prove we care by supporting charities like So Good Now. Soga now helps kids in under-resourced areas by connecting them with student-athletes to serve as mentors. We remove barriers so athletes can help youth in the corners of our communities where light and love are needed most. When you choose Rafferty Subaru, you help organizations like So Good Now. It's all about you at Rafferty Subaru. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles. Back, baby. Back, 10-2. 10-2 SmackDown. Yes, happy, happy Thursday, everybody. Rob Ellis, Derek Gunn, hanging out with you. We are Sports Take. All right, time to get to our next guest. He is a, 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 a brilliant studio and booth analyst of uh, Major League Baseball and the Phillies. Played a long time in the major leagues and he is he's a friar even though he's not the the, the proper kind of friar he's a malvern friar not a bonner friar but that's okay we won't hold it against them and davis what has happened in pennsylvania what's up Benny? what's going on guys thanks for having me today wait we have a birthday whose birthday what are we what's going on it was my son's uh yesterday he turned 18 our oldest turned 18 so who's a beast by the way he is a i am officially old yes you are welcome to yeah. the club my friend so. um Ben, so much to get to, man. And by the way, I I, I smell a nap in your near future. You've had a long day already, but we'll, yes, oh I have. Uh, yes, I have. So, but uh, no, Gunnar reached out to me on my way home from the city this morning, and I said, you know, Gunnar, I can't say no to you two days in a row. So. <laughs> it's a hard told me that. On here. You shouldn't have told me that. <laughs> That's why I sicked him on you, Ben. I, I'm strategic that way. Yes. Oh man. Um, Ben, all right, so much to get to, man. I, I want to start with this. There's the whole sanctuary of the clubhouse thing. And as a player, as an analyst, I think you could speak to this better than anybody else. You know, the whole, oh, my God, that should have never gotten out. And then the other side of it is, you know, look, everything's out there now in this day and age. Uh, so how do, how do you fall on that with what Arcia had to say? And then, obviously, everything that went down with Harper last night. Well, if he didn't want it to get out, don't say it. Yep. I mean, it's as, it's as simple as that. If, you know, reporters are around and obviously they're a conduit to, you know, to the to those outlets. And, yep. um, you know, he said it, you know, it, it benefited the Phillies. I know that. But, um, you know, if you don't want it out there, then don't say it. And if it's something if you want to say it, maybe, you know, I don't think there's any room for it, but it does happen. Yep. I'm not saying it doesn't. I'm not going to pretend that it doesn't happen. Yep. Uh, but things like that are said in the clubhouse from time to time. And sometimes in the heat of the moment, you get caught up saying something stupid. Um, we've all been there. And, um, you know, 
Bryce Harper took exception to it and just pounded some baseballs last night. Um, but there is there is a little bit of a, a sanctuary in that clubhouse. But, mm-hmm. you know, once that media is in there, it's a different story. Mm-hmm. Ben, ben, I have to ask you as, as we get to the game. So Nola comes out of the gate first inning. The Braves are on them. They, they get one run. They get four hits early on. And I have to ask you as I ask Rob, what's your initial reaction when you see the Braves get to him early in a the game? They didn't, didn't kill him for runs, but it, it looked like they had him figured out early. Yeah, um, I was a little worried there in the beginning because some of those guys in that lineup have really good numbers off them. I mean, if you look at Acuna Jr. and Riley alone, they were 37 for 103 off them with 10 combined home runs. Jeez. I mean, those, those, that's a big sample size. So there's some guys in there that, that obviously had some big numbers. So you start to see them get to them a little bit. I know there are a couple of bleeders in there, but they get up by that one run, and then Nola just flipped the switch. Yeah. I was trying to pattern him yesterday, and I couldn't. He did not fall into any any pattern whatsoever. His fastball was excellent. He threw his fastball, whether that be the four seamer or the two seamer, uh, 53% of the time. Mm. And usually that's, you know, he's thrown his curveball that much. He was dominant with the fastball last night. He kept up his velocity, which is huge. Because when he maintains that velocity, it makes his other off-speed pitches that much better. But when he's throwing 91, there's not that big a difference between the change up in the curveball with the fastball. So those other pitches aren't as effective. He was able to keep that velocity up last night, um, and he did not get it, fall into any patterns. He was just really, really good last night, and um, they they needed him to be that good, and he was. Ben, is it as simple as the mechanical adjustment? I mean, going from his shoulders weren't quite square because he was looking at the pitch clock on, towards the third baseline and, and instead of you know bringing it back over <laughs> to the one on the first baseline. Is it that simple? Because the last four starts – Two of them playoff starts have been spectacular. Yeah, I, I do think it is that simple because it wasn't like overnight. What happened? How did it how did he get like this? How does this guy have a four and a half ERA? And you're thinking that you know it's still in there, but where did it go? So I think yes, it is something as simple as mechanical uh issue that he was able to remedy. And I mean it's made a world of difference for him. Hey Ben, from a catcher's perspective. When you have a pitcher like Nola who who struggled for much of the season, then makes mechanical differences later in the season, and you start to see more positive effects as as a catcher, do you constantly talk to him between innings? Okay, th- this looks good. Keep doing this. Hey, I notice you're starting to to to, to go back to this. You know, stay where you are. Do you, or do you leave pitchers alone altogether? There's a there's a, a fine line there because they are such fickle creatures. Okay. All right. um, That's a nice way to put it. Yeah, I think if – from my experience, if a guy's doing well, I just leave him be. Um, okay. If there's something I see, whether that be mechanical, mental, uh, whatever, or if it's something I see out of the hitters, uh, you can have a, a scouting report on somebody, but if a hitter – if they say this guy's a good fastball hitter, if his bat is – maybe he, had, he was out all night last night, but he comes up his first at bat, he's way late on the fastball – then you kind of can read that as a catcher and you get off that page. And that is something you could relay to your pitcher. Um, you say, Hey man, this guy's bat isn't as fast as we think it is. We can attack with fastballs. Um, so from that aspect, yeah, those kind of things you can go over, but if the guy's doing his thing and, and throwing the ball, well, I just leave him big. Okay. Ben stare down aside for a second. And I do want to get back into that, but with Harper, he, I thought it was fascinating last night. I know you guys carried all of it uh, on NBC sports, Philadelphia, but uh, when he said, they were asking him about pressure, and he said, I've been doing this since I was 10. I've been in the biggest tournaments mm. 
since I was 10. I've been under the bright lights. I dropped out of high school. I got a GED. I went to junior college at 16. Uh, you know, I, I I knew I had to provide for my family. Like, it was fascinating listening to him open up like that, where he said, this is gravy now. Like, I the, the, the hardest parts were when I was a real kid mm-hmm. trying to live up to the expectations and not be, in his, his words, a failure. I mean, it was like, whoa, man, he got pretty deep. Yeah, it was very eye-opening. And, you know, to tell your father at age 11, I'm going to be the number one overall pick. I mean, who's, who makes a comment like that? I, and I then was saying like that I was going to come to one when I was 11. Yeah, yeah that's what I'm saying. Like, and it, to say it is one thing, but then forever to come to fruition is another. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's – I believe him. I believe everything he says. You know, when he was interviewed last night about, you know, a lot of people think it's pandering or this or that. I believe him. I believe everything he says. I, I believe it's a mutual love affair between him with the city and the city with him. Um, he just he says all the right things and he obviously does all the right things, especially on that ball field. He is he, he's taking the image we have as a as a, a superhero to a whole different level. Yeah. Um, you know, red light player, whatever you want to call him. He's taking it to a whole different extreme. And it's. I don't think I, I, I could be wrong here. I don't know if we're going to ever going to see something like this again, mm. because it's, and no offense, Gunner. I know you're a football guy, right, but if right. you're a quarterback and you lead a team down the field and you're going to have a couple incompletions, right? You lead them to a comeback win or whatever. You might have a couple incompletions, but baseball is so hard. It is the hardest thing to do. And so I know yep. I'm biased, but it's the hardest thing to do in sports is to hit a baseball yep. round bat, round ball. We know, we know the whole deal. But for him to come up in these situations against the best competition in the world and constantly provide that those big-time moments for his ball club, it's, a, it's on a whole different level. It just doesn't happen as frequent as Bryce Harper makes it happen. And that's what makes this – what he does in these playoffs. We saw it last year. We're obviously seeing it this year. That's what makes him so special and above and beyond any expectation we could have as a, as a superhero. Yeah, he's got ten home runs, by the way, in the NLDS. Yeah. It's the most ever of anybody that's ever done it. Mm. Sorry, Gunner, go ahead. Ben, you've been around this game a long time, and, and you know, to 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 compare a football analogy, we always talk about how the twelfth man is so important to football, especially in playoff scenarios. But when you when you look at baseball crowds, and we've seen when the Yankees are going well, Mets are going well, Dodgers are going well, but this this Phillies fan base. It's like nothing I've ever seen before. How 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 are, how are the players feeding off of that energy, which has made them so successful last season and this season uh, in the postseason play? I think the players are feeding off it because of the other team's lack of conviction in what they're doing. You know, you, you see pitchers out there. I think they're they're timid. They're not executing as well, and that only is going to help the Phillies' offense. I think the hitters are trying to maybe gripping the bat a little too tight. And our pitchers are going out there and, and taking care of business uh, because their bats are slowing down. I think it's I think that effect is 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 huge, and the, the players can really feed off that. And everyone, if you're out there as a as a Philly, you say, "Oh, the pressure's off!" Like, wow, these guys are really behind us. This is just this is just awesome. I can just go out there and play the game, and knowing that they're putting all the pressure on the opponent, uh, I think that the players expected of the of the fans. And I think the fans expected of themselves mm-hmm. to be that raucous and, and bring that different dynamic uh, to a baseball bar, uh, to a ballpark. It is completely different. I was I, I went over it last night after the pregame show. I went and got something to eat, and then I sat in the radio booth. And 
I'm telling you, it's like uh, nothing you've ever seen. I, 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 whoever built that ballpark should be uh, commended because I think that thing's going to fall down every time they start going nuts. It's crazy. Yeah, it is. It, it's, I was in the middle of it last night, man. It was insanity, man. It was pure, pure insanity. A um, couple of the things that stood out to me. Turner bounced back not only with the bat, but in the field. And, and generally as a team, no hangover from game two. Um, you know, we, you always worry about the psyche sometimes when you lose a gut punch game and they just answered the bell, man. And they seem to have done that all year. Really. It's been a trade of theirs all season. Yeah. We always hear toppers say how resilient this bunch is and they are, but that, that game Monday night was a punch in the gut. That was Mm -hmm. something that was not easy to get over because of how well Wheeler was pitching. They got the four runs early and you're thinking, okay, we're just going to ride this out. The Braves offense aren't doing, isn't doing anything. And then to have him come back in that fashion and just, like I said, punch him in the gut in that way, that this team is, they are resilient. They are that good. They don't, they don't have a rear view mirror. They just, they never look back. It's always looking forward, looking forward, looking forward. And I think it, it starts with Rob Thompson. I think it starts with a lot of the, the veteran leadership on this role. I think it speaks to their character and, and to a man, they're really good dudes in that clubhouse. And I think that's the way David Dombrowski kind of goes out and looks at these guys. What, is, what are these guys comprised of? What is their character? Um, and I think it goes a long way. You could be a great player, but if you're a jerk, you're not going to get along with your teammates, and that's not going to yeah. carry over onto the field. I'm telling you, there's something to it. This ball club loves each other. They love playing the game together, and they love celebrating uh, each time they get through a, a round in the playoffs. So let's hope we see that again tonight. You know, Ben, um, I, I've always said when it comes to playoff scenarios, the bottom part of a lineup is so integral to a success of the team. And this this lineup, one through nine, no matter who steps out there for them, in a lot of cases, it's just as lethal as the front four. Um, and you look at last night, Castellanos and Marsh go five for eight with three RBI. Uh, and, you know, I thought it was one of the best strategic moves to move Castellanos down and Stott up because Stott has been so consistent. They move him up to the five hole and move Castellanos down to the seven hole, and it puts so much more stress on a pitcher. A pit, an opposing pitcher has to be fine-tuned for nine batters, not just five or six batters. Without a doubt. And, you know, I think it really kind of leads us to the fact that, you know, why do we continue to doubt Rob Thompson? I know. He, I know. he, he makes the right moves. And – you know, moving Cassianos down in the lineup later on in the season, Cassianos didn't want to do it, yeah. but he did it for the good of the team. And then he started to take off again, and he's continued it through the playoffs here. That home run he hit last night in the third inning to answer back oh. was a big one. And I think it's understated in the fact that that really got the, the ball moving or the ball rolling for them. Yep. Um, but his willingness to go down the lineup and then Stott obviously being consistent throughout the year, he, Rob, Rob Thompson's a, a, just a smart baseball man. He's got a good bunch around him to, to help him out. They have a great coaching staff, and they work their tails off. And they are prepared for every scenario that comes along. Ben, let, let's look at Suarez tonight. Um, it, you know, Kind of a strange thing in, in game one where he's he's lifted pretty quickly, even though he looked really, really good. Clearly, he didn't love it, but but you know, it didn't, it didn't turn into a thing uh, by any stretch. Um, and I think Rob talked to him afterwards, and I – I, I don't find there to be any – I don't. at least you tell me, I don't think there's going to be any kind of issue there. But what do, you, what do you think about him tonight and what you may see? And what is the approach here with him in this game? You know, worst case, if they lose, they would play – they would have a day off uh, on Friday. But, but tell me what you think about the approach with Ranger tonight. I think he's going to have a little bit longer leash uh, tonight. 
he did throw the ball exceptionally well in that in that first game. Um, and they went down there and they stole that game. And every move that Rob Thompson made after that, after his removal, was spot on. And um, again, why do we question Rob Thompson? But I think he might have a little bit longer leash tonight. Now, he does have a lot of weapons in that bullpen that were not used. And even the guys that were used last night, I liked what I really liked what I saw out of Sarah Anthony last night um, and some of the other guys that came in. What I saw out of those guys last night, they can go again tonight because they, they're, they've been well rested throughout this playoffs with all the off days. The off yeah. days, it's so weird to have so many off days, but they're all well rested. Plus, they have the big guns out there as well. You know, they got Alvarado, who did not throw last night, Kimbrell, who didn't throw last night. And the more rest that these guys get, the better they are, especially with Kimbrell. So he's got a lot of weapons out there he can utilize. So if Ranger does get into a predicament, he can go and lift them and, and, and use the, the bullpen and use them a lot because, again, another off day tomorrow. So they'll be fresh. Yeah. If it does go game five, they'll be fresh on Saturday. You know, Ben, uh, continuing the discussion about Suarez, and I had mentioned to Rob earlier, I think it's imperative we closely watch his psyche on the hill tonight because if you go back to game one, everybody's shocked he's pulled in three-plus innings. And you see the look on his face. He's in a he's in a dugout trying. What, what the heck just happened? Yeah. Rob Thompson has an interpreter come over and tries to explain it to him. And then the camera hones in on the concern on his face. And then when Hoffman gets the final out, it's like he breathes a sigh of relief and turns and walks down the step. Um, in situations like that, what do you say to a pitcher before his next start? Um, especially on a big moment like this, a, a, a series closing moment like this. So he's not worried about being too fine with his pitches, not constantly looking over to the dugout to see if the manager's coming up the steps. I, I think you tell him, go leave it all on the field. Just go as, as hard as you can, as long as you can. You can't worry about what Rob Thompson thinks is the right move. You have a game plan, you stick to it, and you go as hard as you can and as long as you can. And if he decides that it's, it's your time in the game or you cannot go on any longer, then so be it. But know that you left it all out on the field and you went out and you competed. That's all you can ask the Ranger tonight. Go out and compete. Give them your best. Put your team in the best position to win, and we'll, we'll see what happens after that. Um, you know, I'm sure Rob Thompson will talk to him and, and tell him that those exact things. Uh, I don't know any other way you could go about it. Just not, you, the last thing you want is for Ranger to throw a pitch and look over his shoulder. Right. That's yeah. the last thing you want because he's not going to have conviction in that pitch at that particular time. Every pitch, especially in the playoffs, has a purpose. So go out there and throw each pitch with conviction. Ben, what do you think the psyche is of the Braves? I mean, they're on the brink of the same thing that happened last year, played out very similarly. Phillies win game one, lose game two, win game three, have an explosive third inning. I mean, it's crazy how similar it is. What do you think their mindset is? Well, I think they have to be a little bit confident in the fact that Spencer Strider is throwing. Uh, he threw, I know Harper hit it, took him deep, and they had a couple errors in that game that the Phillies took advantage of. It was great to see. Um, but the bottom line is he threw very well against the Phillies, and he's got tremendous numbers against them in his career. So I think that the Braves have to be feel confident in the fact that, hey, we got our guy going tonight. Um, but from an offensive standpoint, it's it's been a grind for them, and knock on wood, hopefully that continues for the Braves. But, at, I mean, you're talking about a team that hit 300 historic numbers, 300 yes. home runs in yes. the season. You look down the, the stat sheet, and it's just like, this has to be a typo because you got guys with 40, 50 home runs, 30 some home runs. It's 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 unbelievable. And again, it's that's one through nine as well. So um, you know, I think from from that aspect, just keep the pressure on them. 
You have to get strike one if you're Ranger Suarez and the entire Phillies pitching staff tonight. Keep that offense on the defensive. And I think if they do that, you know, they can get Strider out of the game in, in five innings. I, I like the Phillies' chances. What, what do you think the mindset of Strider is? I mean, he owned the Phillies in the regular season, but for two straight seasons now, the Phillies have got the best of him in the playoff scenario. What do you think his mindset is t- taking a hill tonight? Well, you know, if I had his stuff, I'd be like, all right, we'll see how it goes, you know. <laughs> um, I'm hoping that it's like I'll show you. That's baseball is not a sport where you can tell yourself I have to do this or I have to do that or I'll show you. Um, the game, again, is, is too stinking hard to do that. Um, I think if he has that mentality, I'll show you. It might go in the Phillies' favor in the fact that maybe he starts to, to, to grip it a little bit tighter. Mm-hmm. You know, he throws that slider and it hangs um, because he's trying to overthrow it. Um, but, you know, I think he's got to probably have a good mindset going into it for the fact that, you know, as you said, Gunner, he's got really good numbers against the Phillies, and he threw the ball very well in that first start. The Phillies just happened to, you know, hold the Braves to five singles. Mm-hmm. So um, I think if you're Strider, you got to be confident, but we'll see how it goes. Ben, last one for me. Um, uh, with the exception of the Braves winning game two, the, what is it, the five teams with the best record in baseball mm-hmm. were, have been blanked in these playoffs. That's I right. mean, it's crazy how it's played out. Um, what do you make of it? It's just kind of random the way it went this year? Yeah, I think you're looking at a – Take the Orioles. I mean, they had a great ball club, but this Rangers team is playing exceptionally well. They went down mm-hmm. there and kicked the snot out of the Rays, and then they went and kicked the snot out of the Orioles. The The Diamondbacks are playing tremendous oh. baseball right now. They got some young talent on that team. Their starting pitching is extremely good. They have a, what a one-two punch they have in Gallon and, and Kelly. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're hitting the baseball extremely well. Kristen Walker, uh, you know, who went to Kennedy Kendrick out yeah. of Philadelphia. He's hitting the ball tremendously That was a well. bomb last night to left field. That's a deep shot in left field yeah. in that place. Yeah, yeah. so you got that them playing well. You have the Dodgers who, you know, they picked the, probably the worst time to have Betts and Freeman go into a slump. They mm. had one hit combined in three games. One hit. That's crazy. Exactly. So you're just got some teams that just got terribly cold. And, um, you know, you look at the Astros, they're playing well, um, you know, I believe they won. They won last night and beat the. Yep, Twins. they did. Yep. Um, so, you know, it's just it's just baseball, and I think that's what makes the game so good is because you just never know. You know, you just don't know what you know. It's you know, I catch Jamie Moyer, and we go up against Roy Halladay or some big stud, you know, pitcher, and Jamie would throw his 82, 83 out there, and we'd win. And you're like, how's it? How does it work like that? You know. <laughs> Yeah. And we outlast their pitcher or whatever. And, and, you know, Jamie walks away with the win, at, you know, throwing, you know, he goes seven innings and gives up three hits, throwing 83, 84 miles an hour. It's just, it's just baseball. You just don't know. Yeah. Then if you're Rob Thompson, what do you say to the guys before they take the field tonight? Or because it's such a veteran latent team, they've been down this road before. Do you say anything to them? No, I think you just have the same approach. Rob Thompson, you talk about not changing the spots on a leopard. He is the same <laughs> dude. I mean, yeah. he's just, He's the same guy day in and day out. And um, I think that the ball club really admires that about him, and they play play that way for him. And, again, they, they don't look back. They just keep their eyes forward and keep their blinders on and, and go about their business. It is a very professional ball club that they have. Mm-hmm. Uh, they go about their business the right way. They get their work in. And they still have fun. I mean, the bottom line is they're playing a game. You might as well have fun. But um, I think it's the same approach, you know, same mentality, just go get them and and, uh, you know, play each pitch and, and, and don't, don't take any plays off or any pitches off. 
Then what? I'm sorry. One key to tonight, if you had if you had to say, what would it be for you in, in this game? I think it's they they got to get Strider out of the game because yeah. I think if they do that, that, that bullpen can be exposed. Yeah, if they can get that count up, count up yeah. even if they don't get a hit, Falson pitches off. Get Strider out of the game as soon as possible. I, if they do that, I like their chances again because I think Rangers going to be steady. And we got a lot of guys well-rested in that bullpen. But get Strider the heck out of the game. There you go. All right, Ben, listen, we'll catch you tonight. Uh, we got pre- and post-game, correct? NBC Sports Philadelphia. What what time do the festivities kick off tonight with the 8 o'clock game? Uh, we go on at 7 o'clock. And I believe we're on um, NBC Sports Philadelphia Plus on the Plus, plus channel. Plus with the Flyers. Because flyers the Flyers are on the main channel. But then yeah. we'll be on the regular channel for the post-game show is the, okay. the text I just go. got. So, okay. All right. So ben, at 7 o'clock we'll be on. and. See how it goes. Get a nap, my man. Get, get I will. Your All right. Bye. Appreciate it. Thanks ben. so much, guys. Thanks for having me. Right. Take All care, right. man. That is Ben Davis. Always good uh, catching up with Ben. Yeah, it's it's going to be on fire tonight. You know, and especially Gunner, when you know what Harper or I'm um, sorry, what Strider said regarding the fans not wanting fans in the stands. Right, right, right. And he, I think he was doing it sort of trying to be funny or whatever. Yeah. They are going to be in full throat tonight, man. It is going to be an ins- insane asylum tonight down there. Let, let me ask you this now. In hindsight, yeah, you went to last night's game. You talk about the phenomenal experience. Yeah. If you could foresee the future prior to game three and four, would you have rather been in the stadium last night or tonight? Oh, man. <laughs> Here's why I'll say I'll stick with what I did because it went off without a hitch. Sometimes you never know. Like, I'd hate to be sure. there tonight, God forbid, and they lose. That would yeah. be a real – Bummer. Freaking bummer walking yeah. out of that place. So I'm going to stick with what I what I did. I'm, I'm good. I'm good. All right. I don't want to I'm test with you 100. Yeah, and I love the five o'clock start time. Everything about the that that game. Oh, that's true. Because you like to be in the bed with your stocking cap on by 11. Shit. Yeah, a little a little bit later. I gotta be fresh for you, man. I have to have I have to be well rested for you, D Gun. All right. Oh so, man. Uh, we will turn our sights to the birds. We'll update you on what's going on from an injury standpoint. Who practiced yesterday? Who didn't practice yesterday? Who's getting close? Uh, some of the things that Robert Sala had to say yesterday regarding this matchup. We'll get into the Eagles' offense in the next segment. Give you a great stat on Lane Johnson. And then we will get into the Eagles defense in the following segment. We got a lot to do in the NFL segment also. And a little bit later, Coach Billy Crocker from Eastern University. So we got a lot more in store. You don't want to go anywhere. He's D Gun. I am Rob Ellis. We are Sports Take. All right, let's tell you a little bit about Jim Murray and Principal Financial Group because knowing who to trust with your finances can be a scary proposition, right? You got to get it right. You work too hard not to. Um, you know, whether it's retirement planning, 401k review, insurance review. Uh, you may be trying to get your employee benefits off the ground uh, if you own a business, any of the above. Look, I trust Jim and you should too. Uh, I've entrusted my IRA, my 401k rollovers with him, and I couldn't be any happier. You will be as well. Give him a call, 610-996-4751, 610-996-4751. You could also email him. And by the way, you can just call him for a consultation, but you can email him, Murray, M-U-R-R-A-Y dot Jim at principal.com. That's Murray. Jim at principal.com. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. 
Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Staffing is not easy, but that's what we do every day, all day. The key to our success is storytelling, asking the right questions to find the right people. Hi, I'm Gary Kane, president of Kane Partners. We want to be your staffing partner. Since 1977, it's always been about you, the community at Rafferty Subaru. And through the Subaru Love Promise, we prove we care by supporting charities like So Good Now. Soga now helps kids in under-resourced areas by connecting them with student-athletes to serve as mentors. We remove barriers so athletes can help youth in the corners of our communities where light and love are needed most. When you choose Rafferty Subaru, you help organizations like So Good Now. It's all about you at Rafferty Subaru. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. Back with you on this Thursday. We are Sports Steak. If you could hit the like button, friends, we do appreciate it. That's Derek Gunn. I am Rob Ellis hanging out with you. All right, Gunner, let's uh, talk some birds, man. All right, yesterday at practice, and we haven't heard yet who is uh, practicing today. If we get that information, we will pass it along. Uh, but Fletcher Cox was back in a limited capacity yesterday, as was Nicobe Dean, uh, as was Sidney Brown. And uh, Jack Stoll is dealing with a shoulder. So Sydney, yep. Sydney Brown, Cox, Dean, and Stoll were all listed as limited. Did not practice again. Justin Evans, uh, Darius Slay is a new one that has popped up here with a knee issue. Uh, Tui Pelotu is out. Uh, was out again yesterday with the, the triceps injury that he's dealing with that, that uh, forced him to miss Sunday's game against the Rams. So uh, Slay is the one that sort of catches your attention right there, Gunner, because they're they're thin back there to begin with. Well, the good news is when you see all these injuries and they say limited practice, at least they're out there testing these injuries. The, the iffy part is if they're still limited tomorrow, um, then you have some cause for, for concerns. I mean, right now, today is a day where you, you try to push 
whatever the ailment is, you try to push to see how it's responding. And then you attack that with more treatment today and tomorrow and even Saturday before you make some final determinations. But but not seeing uh, but not seeing players on the DP list did not practice it is a good thing as we sit here right now. Mm-hmm. But you're right. They're so thin on the back end as it is. The pass defense is so suspect as, as it is. Man, you can't afford to lose any more frontline players because um, now you're asking mo- even more kids to step up in crucial role situations. But again, like I told you, half jokingly but half serious uh, doing the show meeting, if, if, if there's ever um, a situation where you're going to have multiple players down, the Eagles' first six games are the perfect scenario because you're not playing the better teams. You can survive, and especially against – such a one-dimensional team like the Jets. Like, we know Zach Wilson is not going to chew up a good defense through the air. Zach Wilson can't stand back there forever and hold the ball um, because his offensive line is banged up, but he's going to get killed. You, you're talking about possibly a 7-8 sack day for Zach Wilson and po- possibly getting hit 15, 16 times a game. A Jets offense that is one-dimensional running the ball to stay in games is not going to run for 230 yards against this Eagles defense. So here's another scenario where you can get by with a depleted core of of players and come out on top. I do wonder, Derek, like that said, like along the lines of what you're, what you're saying here, if Slay is even borderline that maybe in a different matchup, you'd you'd put him out there and risk it a little bit. If they don't err on the side of caution, you know, again, I have no idea. We, We still have a ways to go here until Sunday, but you know, because it's the Jets um, and it is Zach Wilson, are you a little bit more cautious with playing guys who are banged up? I, I you know, I think it's something to keep your keep your eye on for sure. Um, as far as Slay goes, but we'll we'll see what ends up happening there. Um, let, me, let me bounce this off you. We, you know, we we know the Bolton board material that the Phillies and and Braves. What's been going on there with with Orlando Arcia? Anything to read into the hey, we're gonna have to lay eleven kisses on uh on Jalen Hurts if they run the uh, tush push. He, you know, he, it was weird. Robert Sala, while in addition to saying that, Derek also was like, yeah, I don't know. The guy's got a million pads on. He's got pads everywhere. It was a, a slight little zing. Maybe I'm reading too much into things, but do you, do you see anything coming of that or is that just nothing? No, it's just nothing. It's, okay. it's talk for now. Uh, hey, just to address John Dickerson right here, it says Zach Wilson has more failed passes than a young D-Gun at the club. Uh-huh. D-Gun, D-Gun and fail, bro. I'm going to tell you that right now. But anyway, it's another story. Um, but no, I think You had the highest good. quarterback rating you could have at the club. Hey, man, hold up, man. My wife might be listening, man. Hold up. Hold, hold, hold. Watch that noise. Hey, hey, hey. You trying to get me messed up, man? Keep it down, no, keep it down. No, Rob. I was keep, a very quiet, timid, shy individual as a young man. I just I want know. you to know this. You, you were in the library, um, but know. no, it's it's. But see, the the problem is, the problem is, because now it is constantly talked about, talked about, and will be talked about every basically every opponent the Eagles face. The more it's talked about, the more it's going to come under the microscope. The more I believe I've been saying this for four weeks, the more I believe it's going to be eliminated or whittled to nothing when the owners meet next spring. I'm telling you right now, it's coming. You know it is. Anytime the NFL PA and the NFL come out saying, we're now doing studies to see the effects of injuries pertaining to the tush push, you know, that's 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 the the, the, the guillotine is about to drop on this. Thing. I agree. When, when the H word comes up, health, everything changes. But here's the joke of it, the irony of it. The, the only injuries that we've heard from this play 
are the Giants. And it was two guys who got hurt. And even by the Giants' own admission, Derek, they don't practice the play. Maybe if you practice the proper technique and practice yeah. the play, your players wouldn't have gotten hurt. Like this is this is going to be the out that the league has. They're going to say it's not, it, it's a safety issue. And that's how they're going to justify this. When we all know down deep, it's pissed off teams and pissed yep. off coaches that they can't stop the play when the Eagles run it and they can't run it to the level that the Eagles run it. That's exactly. what all this comes down to. And for all the people who want to give you the, it just doesn't look right. It's just not pretty. Stop. If that's the case, let's get rid of the kneel down. <clears throat> let's get rid of any kind of quarterback sneak. There's a lot of things we should get rid of if it's not aesthetically pleasing enough to you. We're, we're now seeing college teams even try. I've seen, I saw college teams last week and tried it now. Yeah. Some were successful, some weren't. It's a fad for now. Um, just like a lot of things in the NFL, just like a lot of things in sports, they become fads and then all of a sudden they fall by the wayside. Yep. But once you start talking about we're studying, we're studying this now to see to what level of injuries can occur from this. I mean, two Giants, the first time the Giants tried it, two starters got hurt. Uh, an offensive lineman and a tight end got hurt. Okay, so that was a red flag right there. Yeah. Now they now they've taken it to the study level. Um, it's gone. I'm, I'm telling you, it's gone. It's gone, Rob. Where it's going to be such a variation of it, it won't be nearly as effective as it has been up to this point. What, so the Eagles better enjoy it now. They better I, enjoy it, the, the free reign of doing it now. Run the heck out of it. I agree with yes. you. I, I think what's going to happen is here's what here's my guess. The way that they'll legislate it is, you you can't. You literally couldn't can't touch the quarterback. In other words, you could do the traditional sneak where he takes the snap and just burrows forward, right? You could do that, but you're not going to have anybody be allowed to shove him. Literally, I mean that's that's the the concession. That's what they'll do. I, I'm telling you, that's what it'll end up doing. It'll just be a a traditional quarterback sneak. Which, by the way, the Eagles would be great at that too, because Jalen's so strong. Because the interior offensive line is guys like Kelsey who get leverage. You'll still be great at it. You may not have the, the the incredible you know success rate that they have right now, but they're still going to be darn good at it. There's no doubt. I still can't get over the fact that when Tom Brady was with New England, you had guys pushing him forward all the time. Nobody said anything for years about that because yep. it was Tom Brady. You know they could do what New England could do whatever they wanted to do in the Tom Brady era. Yeah. Now all of a sudden the Eagles modify it. They modify it for today's game. Of course, then again. How many teams have a quarterback squatting 600 pounds? That's I mean, that's, that's the difference. And you brought difference. this up in our pre-show meeting, and Mr. Yeah. Mr. Taz says the same thing. Kelsey on the New Heights podcast said it best. Yes. Players are going to start faking injuries to get it banned. They 100% that, that's coming. Mark, yeah, Mark I saw coming. the clip. I saw the yeah. clip, and I said, I said, first of all, Kelsey, why are you putting that out there? Because yeah, you don't, don't, don't introduce that, man. Hey, that's a good point. Rob, yeah. for years, how many times have we seen in games when an, an offense has a key drive down the field all of a sudden, you see defensive players walking back to the huddle. They look around, and then one will sit down on the ground as pat his helmet yep. and stop play. Remember the so Chip the Kelly days? Talk, they, did, yes. Derek, they did it all the time because the teams were gassed because you couldn't substitute. He would just go in tempo, and and you'd have the bigger defensive lineman would just plop down and fake an injury. That happened all the time. Right. I can't believe they haven't done something in terms of penalizing players for faking injuries. Now, you know when a player is hurt when he's not hurt. I agree. You see a player get up and walk to the huddle. All of a sudden, he sits down, stop play. Defensive captains go over the sideline and talk to the, the defensive coordinator to see what scheme they want to set up. 
you know, for this, that, and the other, you have extended time, and the player will sit there. How much time do you need? You, how much time do you need to talk to the coach? There's a signal, Derek. There is literally there a is. signal. There is a hand, whatever. The, the, the one of the assistants tap their head, or you know, it, it's like baseball signs, right? And that means go down. It, it, it happens every single. You see it in college. You see it in the pros. What should happen is they should be penalized like floppers should be in the NBA or in college basketball. You should be penalized for that. It's hard. It, I know it's hard because a player can say, you don't know what I'm feeling on the inside. I have a strained no, You know, exactly. and then you get into exactly. this weird area. And How can you tell if I'm not injured or not? You're not a medical expert. Exactly. You're not a doctor. Right. Exactly. Um, but no, I, that's something to keep your eye on as we move forward with the touch push. I agree. All right. Uh, Eagles offense. So let me share the stat with you. Uh, before we, we dig into everything we're going to do offensively with the Eagles. Just just to give throw Lane Johnson a little bit of love, uh, who we've had on the show a couple times. I know you have a, you have a very close relationship with Lane. Um, Derek, the last sack that he allowed was week 11 of the 2020 season. It's ridiculous. We're, we're now in week six of the 23 season. It's, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It's something Tell me that guy's not a Hall of Famer. I, I, he, there's I, I no mean, question. There's no question. I don't care if he's not a first ballot Hall of Famer. You can't keep – I don't know if that's ever been done before, an offensive a tackle, not giving up a sack for close to three years. Crazy. I, I don't know if that's I, – I don't know if that's ever been done before. It's something that's never been talked about before. Now, we've seen we've seen offensive tackles go through stretches, seven games, maybe eight games. But three years? No, no, never heard of that before. And, um, and dealing with the injuries he's had, too, on top of it. You know, the abductor last year – the the all the ankle stuff that he had to deal with, and, and yet the guy it's a man. And Kelsey's the same way. Kelsey's gone years without a, allowing a sack. Now crazy. I'm glad somebody brought it up here because I will say this. And when we watch games for the last couple of seasons in particular, when I'm watching games with Seth Joyner and Mike Missinelli and Mark Farzetta, we all I see it all the time. How in the world does Lane get away with a false start every time? The dude he's he he's backing into a stance at least at least a half second before the ball is snapped. Everybody else gets called for, for false starts. If they just flinch and move forward, if their body just somehow eases forward, it's a false start. This dude never gets called. Jo- JM's know? right. You can move your back leg in anticipation. Yeah, you but can. he's not just moving his back leg. He's coming up in his stance, and he's it's, never called for it. It's really close. I, I'm not saying he doesn't ever do it. I'm not saying, Believe me, I'm not saying that. But man, he's got it down to a science. You know where yes. we learned that Jason Jason Peters was a master. No he question. was a master at that, man. No question about it. And I can't yeah. believe I can't believe. And you have a sideline judge standing right there looking at it. They never yep. call it on him. Yeah, I, I'm just flabbergasted. Hey, you know what? Kudos to to Lane Johnson and for the Eagles for getting away with it. Uh-huh. But you know, here's what I worry about. He's gotten away with it for, for so long. I hope it doesn't come down to a crucial moment in a playoff game. Mm-hmm. And the Eagles are like third and two or fourth and two, and all of a sudden he gets called for this, and now it's like fourth and seven or fourth and eight, fourth and eight, something like that, which changes the overall mindset of what you want to do in that situation. Yeah, whether a game is tied, whether you're one point behind, whatever the case may be, you know, or whether you, you know you're you're just trying to control the clock, it changes the mindset of what what an offensive strategist will go through then, but. He's gotten away with this for so long, man. He's got to have he's got to have referees in his back pocket. I'm telling yes. you. Yes, yeah, I agree with you. I, it's it's interesting, but I just wanted to throw that one out there. All right, so if you look at what's the way the year has gone um, thus far, 
So I think Hertz Hertz is an interesting case, right? Because he the first let's say uh, three weeks, first three weeks, we were kind of saying, all right, we're seeing some good things, but ultimately he's not quite where he was, right? You know, last year, right? But I think especially. You know, when you look at last week uh, with the with the Rams game is when we saw the full sort of picture there of, of him coming back into frame. Now, it started the week before in the passing game where he started to look better. And if you look at it, so Derek, let me just give you his numbers real quick. Uh, 170 passing yards in the Patriots game, a buck 93 in the Vikings, 277 yep. against Tampa. Then it's 319 against Washington. 303 last week. And then on top of it, last week, he rushes 15 times for 72 yards. Yeah. So I think he's getting there. I think the comfort level with the OC is getting there uh, with, with Nick. I think countering what teams are doing against them, they're all starting to figure it out a little bit. It took him a minute. Um, so I think for all of those reasons, it's trending in the right direction. He hasn't quite played at the runner-up MVP level thus far. I, no, I would say that no. for sure. No, no. But you know what? He's doing what, what needs to be done to get the job done. You know, the last two opponents did a better job in terms of handling their running situation. So what do you do? You got to go to the air and right. look who he's throwing to, you know. Um, so I think his numbers are going to be either or every week, depending on what a defense is trying to take away. Then they'll go back to the other. I don't think we'll, we'll see him be a consistent 275-yard passer every game. That's not going to happen. It's just not the way this offense is run. And that's fine. As long as they continue to rack up wins and put distance between themselves and everybody else in the NFC East and staying at running for the number one overall seed, you know, that's all that matters. You know, I love the demeanor of this team, you know, and, and the quarterback in particular. It's not about individual stats, except for maybe one guy, you know, but uh, it's not about the individual stats. It's about what is our ultimate goal? The ultimate goal is to get that all-important W. And that's what they're doing right now. Plain and simple. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's the thing. The reason, to back up your point, the reason why he's not always going to put up those monster passing numbers is because you can run on teams. And there are going to be certain matchups where you're you're just going to pound teams. And we've seen that. You know, look at the the, the Vikings game, the, uh, the Tampa Bay Bucks game. So that's fine. Who cares, man? Just Just get the ball down the field. I mean, we'll, we'll get into it. The area they have to improve in is the red zone. They're, they're 27th now in cashing in for touchdowns in the red zone. That has got to change. That's the area that, where there's no gray area. Without question, that's not acceptable. And maybe you get away with it for one more week, but the yeah. following week when you start playing the Dolphins, it yeah. will bite you in the tail. Trust me. Yes, 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 yes. They've got to figure this out. You've had six games now to figure this out. Your coaching staff has been asked about this publicly and you've given all the right answers. Yeah, we got to improve. We got to do this, that, and the other. And every week you have not improved in that regard. Now, granted, you're still scoring 30, 28, 30 points a game. You know, by the grace of God, you're still racking up the points. Can't argue with that. But the bottom line is, is you know, especially in a shootout type game or, or even a low scoring close game, you have got to improve that element. When you've got a team you know that can go down and put seven on the board, you can't come away against with threes against those better teams because you're going to be on the short side of the ledger in that scenario. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. Um, all right, so let, let's stay on that. And you referenced one of the guys who we should be talking about who's who's on pace to have a, a just absolute 
monstrous kind of year so far, and that's AJ. Man, I didn't talk about anybody. I just said <laughs> one guy. Hey, I didn't mention any names. All right, I, I got just you. said, hey, uh, well, maybe one guy. That's all I said. I don't know what <laughs> well, you're talking about. Well, okay. I, I, hey, hey. All right. On a totally separate note, AJ Brown. Yeah, there has, you go. He has 541 receiving yards, Derek. So he only trails uh, Tyreek Hill, who's got 651. Puka Natua, 572, and Justin Jefferson with 571. So he's in he's in that rarefied air, man. He's in the top four right now, and he's on pace to have a better year than he had last year when he had a phenomenal year last year. So he is, in fact, up this game from where it was. Um, and and uh, you know what? When you when you're a beast and you can and you can outmuscle most people who are defending against you, take advantage of it. You know, and, and you see the respect that they give him by playing off him so much, because like I said, he's not the fastest receiver in the league, but he's fast enough. Once he once he makes that move, like he's going to fake and go to the slant and goes up the field, you know, once he's behind you, it's over. It's lights out. If Jalen puts Jalen puts the ball in the right spot, and let's face it, nine times out of ten, Jalen will put the ball in the right st- spot for him to get it. It's lights out. You, DB is toast. You know, um, he can hurt you in so many different ways. You can't tackle this man you know, arm tackling him one-on-one. He has so many different physical attributes that, that that's a nightmare for anybody trying to, trying to cover him. And let's face it, you know, him and him and him and uh, Jalen are boys. And I think it's quite obvious. We've seen this, that Jalen's going to do everything possible to get his guy to ball more so than the other guys, Devante, Goddard, whoever the case may be. Jalen, uh, AJ Brown is his guy. You're yep. playing it simple, and every and, and every quarterback has their guy, their go-to guy uh, in an offense. So he's that he's that for the Eagles. And you know, you look at the numbers now. I think the the projection projected numbers is close to eighteen hundred yards receiving if he can stay on the current pace that he's on, which you know he already shattered the Eagles' all-time receiving record. Right. Um, but when he hit fourteen ninety six last year. He's going to surpass that by two, three hundred yards easily if this keeps up. Yeah, no question. And, and you know, the other thing is, I, I think what sort of happened, I, I think a little bit to an extent with with some folks, not everybody, but they're sort of looking at it like Devontae Smith hasn't contributed a whole lot. He's still having a darn good year, man. I, I mean, I look at his stats and yes. through five games, you know, it, it, it's not going to blow you away completely, but 23 catches, right. 290 yards, two touchdowns. And you just know, like he's coming, man. It, it it's yeah. you're going to see him just start to blow up here. I guarantee it. Yes, yes, it, his time's coming. I mean, it, what a luxury this team has, though. When any given week, there's four or five different players that could be the headline story of this offense. Not many teams have that, you know. Most teams maybe have two, three. This team has four or five players that could be a star in the offense at any given time, you know. Um, and that's why this offense is so potent, because no matter how much you try to scheme for them, no matter who you try to take away, there's always another go-to option. There are four or five deep and go-to options. And that includes the running back position as well. Yeah, you know, no question. Um, so so Devontae, it's not his time yet. His time's coming. When teams start making concerted efforts to take A.J. Brown out of game, out of games, then it's going to be Devontae, Goddard, Swift out of the backfield. That's where their numbers start to increase. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you, you mentioned the the running game. DeAndre Swift's been awesome. You know, I mean, 434 yards, 5.7 yards per carry, two touchdowns. 
he's caught the ball as well as we expected, you know, 15 catches, 75 yards. He has been uh, more than as advertised. You know, we thought he was going to be a home run hitter. He's kind of become a home run hitter and a feature back, you know, at the same time, he's a, he's a combo of both so far. Ooh, the word feature back, which never exists in an Eagles offense is a word we can actually discuss now, because I think you're right now, granted, his touches were down last game. Gainwell got more touches, but that's okay because when he was called upon, he did what he was supposed to do. Uh, but you're right. I think we can actually use the word feature, you know, which is something that the Eagles don't like to talk about. They like their running backs by committee. But in this case, especially with this enigma with Rashad Penny uh, being a no-show each and every week, um, it basically is a two-back offense. And no question about it, Swift is at the forefront of that offense when it comes to the running backs. Yeah. And, and again, only a matter of time for Goddard. There's no question about that. It, it, we saw it last week with this guy's capable of. We all know what he's capable of, having watched the guy play. And all we talked about before the season was, if this guy stays healthy, yep. you know, the sky's the limit here. Now, he's been healthy. It just, it just hasn't gone his way early, which is just part of the thing. I mean, I think about it, Derek. We're a quarter of the way, basically a quarter of the way through. There's a t- so much football to be played and so many different storylines are going to evolve as we go. And some things we're going to look back from the first couple of weeks and say, man, you believe Goddard only had X amount of catches the first three or four. And, and, and it's going to go bye bye, <laughs> you know, and, and I, you know, Michael asks an interesting question here, you know, where is Penny? I, I just, Michael, I don't know that the belief level is there for them with him. I, I, I just, yeah. I can't believe they're actually trying to save him for the latter part of the season. I just can't. There's something about him that just doesn't fit right now with his team, and I don't know if it will. I don't know if they thought they could could utilize his assets in a certain area and it hasn't panned out, and they identified that in both training camp and preseason games, but they don't want to let him go because of insurance policy and, because, of course, when you look at you know Boston Scott has already missed a game with a concussion. Um, and because of the multitudes of injuries injuries they've had on this team, maybe he's just that insurance policy should somebody in the backfield go down. But yeah. I just can't believe he's, he hasn't gotten more touches uh, leading up to this point. It, I, it, that's one of the most baffling team, things about this team right now. Yeah. Um, now, the other good thing is the offensive line has played up to the very high expectation we had for them. You know, you, I think Mylotta has has played better than he played last year. Certainly, uh, Dickerson's been really good. Kelsey's been really good. Lane Johnson's been good. And, you know, they've been fine at the other guard spot, whether it was Jurgens or now Sua Opeta. They've, they've all done a nice job. They're going to be challenged this week, Derek, because this this Jets team throws a, a really strong D-line against you. You're, there's yeah, no do. question about that. So, yeah. you know, as much as there are some other areas of the Jets that you feel are very favorable for the Eagles, the, the O-line's got their work cut out for them. Um. I, I can't see now they've done such an incredible job on Aaron Donald, but this kid, Quentin Williams, uh, he is a, an absolute beast. And he is, he is like being shot out of a cannon off the snap. He's very hard to control at the line of scrimmage, but you're right. Their difference, their front seven could be a problem for this team period. You look at the linebackers they have even uh, that entire front seven, because they're fast, they're really good. Um, and, and they complement each other very well. Uh, and then you got Sauce Gardner on the back end of that defense as well. Secondary is not shabby. But, again, I do think this Eagles offense can wear them down because the, uh, I think the time of possession is going to be heavily in favor of the Eagles because the Jets offense is so inept. 
No, you would think, right? I mean, I, I again, we talked about it yesterday, and we'll probably get a little bit more into this, um, you know, when we when we do the defense in a second. But I, I just feel like the Eagles' D line is going to wreak havoc with this offensive line of the Jets. I yeah, do, yeah. and I, I think it's going to be a long day for Zach Wilson, and I think he's going to start to force things. And I think the, you know, you could see strip sacks, you could see him try to try to do things if they get down the forced balls in there. And this this could be a takeaway day for the Eagles. It really could. It could yes, be a big takeaway yes. day for the Eagles. It could be a big sack, big takeaway day for the birds. Yeah. I think if they hit Zach Wilson early, he's going to be like Fred Astaire back there. Uh, you know, happy feet. He's going to be happy feet. He'll when he goes back, back to bat, I'm telling you, yeah. he'll be moonwalking back there. And when it, when, it, when he says hut, and as soon as that ball is snapped, he's going to be looking left and right to see, is it Josh Sweat? Is it Hassan Reddy? Who am I looking at? Is it Jalen Carter? I mean, is it Jordan Davis? He's got a whole lot to worry about other than executing the game plan. Yeah. Because let's face, let's face it, no quarterback likes to get hit. And certain quarterbacks, if you hit them early enough, when they start to feel the pressure, and Matthew Stafford was one of these quarterbacks, mm-hmm. when they start to feel the pressure, they curl up. Instead of standing in the pocket and trying to throw a, a strike until the nth degree, they'll curl up right. and brace for the hit more so than taking that unnecessary hit. No, agreed. Agreed. All right, let's come back. Let's do some defense here, D Gun. Um, and we'll we'll get into you know with the good, the bad, uh, what needs to improve, but what's been just eye opening so far. And there, you know, the hint. His name sounds like <clears throat> Jalen Carter has been spectacular. So we'll uh, we'll get into that when we come back. Don't go anywhere. That's Derek Gun. I'm Rob Ellis. We are Sports Take. All right, let's talk about pro action restoration. Yeah, pro action restoration. You get rain. You get fire. You know, there could be some flooding in your house. There could be some mold issues. Uh, there could be some smoke issues, whatever it is, right? And you're not sure what to do. And it's an inconvenient time because these things never happen, you know, in, in any kind of convenient time, right? So you reach out to Pro Action Restoration because they're on call 24 hours, seven days a week to assist. I can tell you from personal experience, and and, and you know, I don't, I don't endorse things that I don't back and that I haven't lived through. And I lived through it. It happened at my parents' house. They got flooding in their basement. I reached out to Pro Action Restoration, and they got out there on a Saturday right away. They fixed the problem. It was really uh, an awesome experience all around. The crew was professional. The price was right. They are licensed, bonded, fully insured. They've been serving the tri-state area for more than two decades. Pro Action Restoration will work in conjunction with your insurance company. So water, fire, smoke damage, mold remediation could be something else. You're not really sure that you're up to handling it. Just reach out to them. 610-623-3760, 610-623-3760, 610-623-3760, 610-623-3760, or online at ProActionRestoration.com. That's ProActionRestoration.com.
If you own a company and you're not producing a podcast, you're missing out. The public consumes messaging when they're ready. Join the professional podcast network of companies and let Jacob Media Partners put you in the podcast arena. Come to our professional studio or we'll come to your place of business and professionally produce your company podcast. Call Jacob Media right now at 267-261-3428. My name is Dr. Bruce Grossinger. And I'm the medical director of Philadelphia PRP and Stem Cell Institute. I'm reaching out to those who suffer from spine and joint pain. We use treatment methods that require no surgery, no scalpel, no drugs. Running, walking, or whatever your desires are, Dr. Groshner is where you need to come. You can benefit from the same PRP and stem cell treatment as Wilbert Montgomery. Call us now at 610-222-5675. Save at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Appreciate you hanging with us, making us a part of your day. Uh, hit the like button if you could, friends. Uh, that would be great. Uh, Egon will send you checks and prizes. Yeah, really. Yeah, right. No, send send me checks. Once again, send me checks to the Help D-Gun Relocate to San Diego Foundation. Uh, I've been I've been working on this foundation for ten years, and everybody keeps saying you ain't going anywhere. We're not we're not sending anything. They do say but that. I do hear do. that. Yes, but I but I will continue my fight to get the D gun help D gun move uh, to San Diego Foundation, move back to San Diego Foundation. It's a worthy cause. You're helping put D gun at, at peace of mind. You're sending him off in a blaze of glory, you know. And because my wife's hometown is about an hour and a half from San Diego, she would she would be extremely appreciative of it as well. So if you have any compassion for D gun whatsoever, um, again, it's Help D Gun relocate to San Diego Foundation. Twiz wants you to send him checks, not you send him, uh, you know, his checks. Thank you. Hey Twiz, I don't care about I don't care about no Cali taxes, man. Hey, look, San Diego is the joint, bro. Oh please, he can own three houses in San Diego. Yesterday, no, no, I can't do that. I can't. Hey, but I got I got a quick story for you, Rob. Yeah. So a few weeks ago, somebody uh, notifies me on Twitter of a T-shirt that's out there. Okay. And it's a, a well-designed T-shirt, 
of 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 Eagles head of security Dom DeSandro, right? So I immediately Dom's got his own the, T-shirt. Oh, dude, I mean, I sent you and Tone a picture of it. If, if, no, I saw it. it. Yeah, Tone. Okay. I don't know if Tone has it or not, but yeah, I, I okay. we can pull it up. So I so, tell you about you see some crazy stuff now, man. Yes. Oh, we it gets it. better. All right. So here's what this one looks like. I don't know who the person is that did it. He's just, just called call Dom. I mean, it's, if you look at it, it's great, right? So then I found out, um, I found out that the Eagles, not this shirt, but they're, they're making a series of shirts with Dom's image on it. Oh, my God. And they're, they're going to be in the Eagles Pro Shop, and they're selling them to help raise money for autism. And one That's of the awesome. shirts says, who are you going to call? You know, another one is Dom. You know, Dom's Italian. So it's one, and it says Italia on it with Dom's, uh, you know, image on it as well. Yeah. Now, if you know anything about Dom, Dom does not like notoriety for anything. Yeah. You know, he doesn't like being in the spotlight for anything. He just wants to do his job. So he's a little embarrassed by this. So I've been egging him on all morning with these shirts. I said, dude, you got if you give me an XL, I'll wear it on the show. I, I definitely will wear it on the show. Um, but, you know, it's for a good cause. Um, but he keeps talking about, man, I, I look too husky, man. But they did some of these shirts, and I'll send them to you guys. Now, we can't show them because it's not official yet. But okay. uh, you know me. I'm going to give it to Dom every chance I get. I'll, I, yeah, man. I'd wear one. <laughs> Got it. I absolutely would wear so, one. So I, I, I have to tell you, whoever does um, our captions and puts them out on social media, don't mention it. I'm just doing it for the fan base here and for us. Don't mention it yet, you know, publicly because okay. I don't want any call from the Eagles. I don't I want to hear you. from the Eagles. So. I got you. We need to keep you in good in good standing with the uh, with the birds. That's for sure. I've been I've been on the wrong side of the birds, but you know, once I've argued my point with them, they're like, you know what, you're right, D Gun. We go. I've gone through the years. I've gone back and forth with certain high ranking officials in the Eagles organization, yeah. and we've always come to a meeting of the minds. You know, you know, they, you they know, respect you, man. They, I know, they, they, their job is to protect their entity and their image, and they don't want certain things out until certain things out. And I've, you know, uh, broken certain stories they wish that I have sat on for a while. But I'm thinking, wait a minute, if it's my story, why can't I break it before Adam Schefter or Tom Pelissaro or some other media person <laughs> in Philadelphia does it? Fair I'll game. Well, fair I'll, game. I'll tell you this: to my, I'm biased, obviously. You break more. Eagle stories locally than anybody. Period. You won't say well, it, but I'll say it. it. I appreciate it. No, it's true. It's true. There's a whole lot of stuff, dude. There's a whole lot of stuff I can't even say. No, but 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 you yeah. know, as a reporter, part of it is knowing stuff you can put out and stuff you can't put out, and you have yeah. a very good handle on yes. yes, you know that, and some don't. Yeah. So I'll just I'll just leave it at that. I'm not going to yeah. name any names. The, fun, the funny joke is a lot of former set players like Trotter and Ike Reese and Hugh Douglas. Those guys would always say. D gun knows where the bodies are buried. And That's correct. Yeah, yeah, but they, they will they will go to the grave with D gun because I don't want to have to go into witness protection program. <laughs> the the only one who knows where more bodies are buried is Big Dom. Is Big right? Dom correct? Yeah. We'll, yes, hey, we'll just... And you talk about enforcers. Have you seen this video that's been out there on like Instagram and other social media platforms? I don't know who put this video together, but it's funny. And I sent it to Dom, and he goes. Man, people have too much free time on their hand. It's a montage of Big Dom like escorting people out of the stadium, now, or or if someone's trying to walk into a live shot, he'll just grab. You remember that time he just yeah, grabbed oh, him? Oh, oh my goodness! <laughs> now Big Dom, just to give you the picture for those of you who don't know, Big Dom is like six two and probably three twenty. Now, when I say three twenty, Big Dom is is put together. I mean, it's not like a a, a you know just a a, a, a wad of three twenty. Yep. Big Dom is put together, okay? 
And Big Dom is my boy. And I said, you know, if I ever had to get, get in a bar fight, he's the first dude I'm calling, you know. You know, and Big Dom is Big Dom is taking care of me some, in some cases as well. Mm-hmm. But he's a big dude. Um, all he wants to do is his job, doesn't like limelight, stays out of the spotlight. Uh, the best in the business at making situations go away. I give him all the props in the world. I could not do his job. This dude mm-hmm. is on call 24-7. Even when he's on vacation, he's on call. Yeah. You know, and there's a lot of times he gets calls at 1 a.m., 2.30, 3.15. It's like, what? <laughs> what? Yeah, and it's it's got to be it's a it's a crazy job, man. He if he ever decided, I don't think he ever would, but if he ever decided to write a book, it would be fascinating. Hey, you see what you say what you see what Tone said in our private chat. Look what Tone said. Tone said. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yes. Uh, hey, well, we could say it, right? Can we? I don't go ahead. Know. Yeah, you can say it. Go ahead. That I met Big Dom, and let me tell you, that's a grown ass man. Yeah, I, I agree. Right. I concur. I've met Big Dom, and he is a grown ass man. That is you. Correct. You would not know that Big Dom is in his forties, but he's he's like a baby face. He's such a baby face. But dude, let me tell you something. He is a no nonsense dude, man. He he has called people in his office, and when I'm talking about people, I'm talking about star players in his office, and read them the riot act, no holes barred. No word is off the table, bar and and I always ask him. I said, "What did the player say?" But you say anything. You better not say anything. And I'm yeah. and I'm talking. He'll he'll take on anybody. There is no Dude. fear. There is no. Uh, it, it doesn't. You're right. It could be the it could be the highest. It could be the best player on the team. Yes. It, it could be the, yes. the worst player on the team. He doesn't care. I, I will just tell you that there 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 is there's no errors put on there. I will say through the years, he's actually made a few players cry. Correct. I will honestly say that yep. like, as far as I go. And I'm like, dude, what is wrong with you? I'm like, uh-huh. Jesus. Oh, so, listen, no doubt about it. All right. Uh, um, so let, let's look at the defensive side of this thing. Yes. Really good against the run, Derek. I mean, really good against the run. Um, other side of it is they have really struggled against the pass. The thing yeah. is, I don't know if I if I view the passing part of it, I, I don't think they're necessarily like really underachieving. I think it's kind of what it is. And you got to deal with it. It's an evolution of a new direction. You yeah. had to replace Hargrave. You go out, you draft a Jalen Carter. Your Jordan Davis was your holdover. Your young secondary had to get younger and different. You went out and got a bunch of young players. They're going to yeah. go through growing pains. I get that. Um Sorry, Bobby Murphy. He says, we want names. Never going to happen. Sorry, can't do it. Um, but it's an evolution. It, it happens. Every so many years, you have to do this. You can't have the best of the best at every position. They had a luxury last year, you know, of, of surplus of, of, of good players uh, in the trenches, linebacker, except Kazir White fell off by the wayside in the latter part of the season. Yeah. Um, you know, but you had TJ Edwards anchoring that thing. And look at the back end. You picked up CJ GJ. He turned out to be a, a, a gem for you. You know, he missed some games because of injury. But you, when you needed the most, he was there. You had the two Pro Bowl corners, you know. Uh, and then you had a young emerging blanket ship, you know, who emerged because CJ was down, mm-hmm. you know. So he got valuable playing time. But now you got to get you – know, you always got to try to get younger, you know, to get better. And I love the way the Eagles slowly pass the baton. They slowly get younger before they're officially done with certain players to help make that transition that much smoother. But in this case, what did they do? They kept the offense intact. Contract was structured so that they knew they were going to have the offense, not just for this year, but for next year as well. Except, you know, Kelsey's iffy, Kelsey's year to year, but next year as well for the most part. 
defensively. They knew they had to let, what, five, five players they knew they weren't going to pay on that side of the ball. There's no way they were going to pay Javon Hargrave $84 million. There's right. no way. Yeah. You know. Yeah, at some point you got you to draw a line, right? Yeah, and, and, yeah. You know, the CJGJ thing was weird. It seemed like he didn't get all that much money. I, I don't know exactly what went down there. Right, um, right. But, yeah, do they miss him? Yeah. Yeah, they miss him. Uh, and then Avante going down was a big, big That's thing. To big blow. Big yeah. blow. I think if Avante was back there, it would help solidify and, and calm down a lot of things on the back end. But now you don't have them. So now you got to mix and match. And I think it's going to be a trial. Even with Roby here, I think it's going to be a trial and error in terms of how we're going to use certain people in the secondary. It just is. Mm-hmm. you know. And that's why I've said many times, um, I think the pass defense is going to be hit or miss all season long. You know, I think the past defense, this game coming up against the Jets is the last, I hate to put it like this, but this is the last vacation day that the secondary has. I mean, when you look at some of the problems they've had defending the pass against Minnesota, um, against the Rams, they made yeah. adjustments and, and, and shut that thing down. You're going to have more passing problems. You are. I agree. You, like, you, I- you're going to shut down you, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Geno yeah. Smith? No. It doesn't mean they can't improve. They can they can get no, better, but can get it, better. Yeah, it, it's still worrisome though. I mean, it is because because of these, especially knowing these teams are going to be playing. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. It's, it, you know, and let's face it, these are quarterbacks that chew up the best of the best defenses. You know, as well. So, you know, it's frustrated as you might be, and of course, we're going to hear all the frustrated um, comments on social media when they play these teams coming up. Um, you just have to be – you have to come to a realization. It, it's got to go through growing pains before you get it to where it wants to be. And, and when I say getting it to where it wants to be or needs to be, that's in 2024, not necessarily 2023. Doesn't mean they can't get back deep into the playoffs. Doesn't mean they can't secure a number one seed. Doesn't mean they can't even get back to the Super Bowl. It's just that that aspect of the team is going to be evolving and growing for the duration of this season. Yeah. Uh, all right. The flip side of that is um, back to the the ability to stuff the run. You know, Carter's been great, and we've talked a lot about Carter, obviously, in general. But this week, uh, he's been really good. You know, Fletcher Cox, and I know he missed last week's game, and and he was he's limited in practice, but looks like he's on a good track here to, to get back. You know, he he's having I I think Derek his best start to a season that we've seen maybe in a few years from him. He's been excellent, and the, the combo of the younger guys playing well with Fletcher in the, in the interior, uh, you know, it makes them, I think the best four that you have in football with Jordan Davis, Jalen Carter, Milton Williams, and Fletcher Cox. I, I couldn't agree more. And, and as you were talking about that, I'm trying to think of another front, a, a, another group of four that can rotate and, and not be a liability. I can't think of another team that has a, a rotation of four like the Eagles do that are that effective in, in terms of what they're asked to do. You know, most teams have a combination of two, maybe a third one, maybe. But for the most part, most teams rely on two guys at that D-tackle spot uh, to be the heavyweights and, and the lockdown guys uh, for what they're trying to do in terms of uh, stopping stopping and disrupting an offense. Mm-hmm. But in terms of the Eagles, man, I'm, I mean, geez, you know, Jordan Davis, uh, valuable experience last year in a limited role. Milton Williams has been here for several years and has gotten better every year. And Fletcher Cox is the grandfather of the group. 
and still playing at a high level right now. And I do believe we talked about this jokingly. I do believe the youth movement in the trenches has has helped Fletcher kind of tap into the fountain of youth. Yeah. You know, I really I think do that's real. It. I yeah. think it's real, man. I, I do. I, I think that I think it's a combination of he he's not being leaned on as heavily. Uh, especially in the run game, because other guys can can do it as well. But yeah, I mean, I there is something to be said for for that sort of you know exuberance. I, I give him credit too. He's he's taken to the role of being a mentor. You know, there there are a lot of veterans. We've seen it before. You know, where guys are like, "Not my job." Like, okay, I, I you, you can take that attitude. That's fine. But I think it's a win win. You know, with, with the way the Fletcher Cox has handled this thing, he hasn't taken it like. Oh, they drafted two defense tackles the last two years in the first right, round right. as a slight. He looks at it yeah. like, look, I know what the reality is. I'm 30-something years old. But guess what? I'm still here, man, and I'm still crushing it. So it's it's good. I always find it funny how players evolve into roles out of necessity. I can remember four or five, six years ago, and this is when the Brandon Grahams and the Fletcher Coxes were in their prime. And you, we would ask them, you know, who or who's the leader? Do you think you need to step up as, as a leader? And those guys would always say, well, you know, I like to lead by example. You had a whole locker room full of guys who said they wanted to lead by example. Right. You know, and that included the Jason Kelsey's and even Elaine Johnson's. And maybe they just didn't feel comfortable, you know, speaking up. You had older players. You had the Jason Peters here. You had players, you know, that were older than them. And maybe they just put the onus on the older players. But in their situations right now, they talk openly about being those verbal leaders uh, because they know somebody helped them to get to this point as a leader. And now it's imperative that they do the same for the next generation. They know their days, weeks, months are numbered with this organization as a player for the Philadelphia Eagles. And in the bigger scheme of things as a professional football player, and because this organization has been so loyal to them, they've won a Super Bowl. They've had a great measure of success overall in their careers here. Now it's on them. You know what? I owe this organization. They kept me here. Think about it. Fletcher Cox still here at 33. That's a rarity for a D tackle to still be with the same team. Yeah. Brandon Graham, 35, still here. Jason Kelsey, Lane Johnson, they're all still here. When you think about um, some of the more big name players at those positions in the NFL that have moved on, you know, for more money and Mm -hmm. another shot somewhere else at a chance of glory. Um, they've stayed here. So I think the mindset is we owe this organization. We don't have to uproot our families. This is going to be our home when, you know, when we retire, think about it. All those names that I mentioned, they're not from here. No, they didn't grow up here. Nope. Oklahoma, Ohio, Michigan, Texas, Mississippi, Texas, Mm -hmm. you know, this is their home. Now when it's playing days are said and done, that speaks volumes in terms of what the organization has done for them and how they go about their business of thanking the organization of going out of their way. Now, the same group of guys that wanted to let their actions speak for themselves. Now they are the verbal ones in the locker room. This is how we do it. This is how you can get better because this is where we're trying to go. Yeah. Well said. Um, you know, the other thing is I, I think the linebackers have played better than at least I anticipated, you know, Morrow. Yeah has stepped up his game. Zach Cunningham pretty well. What do you think happens here if let's say he plays this week or, you know, the following week, whatever, when they, when they see, you know, feel like Nicobe Dean is fit to play, does he step right back into that middle linebacker spot with Cunningham and Morrow goes to the bench? Is that how you see it playing out? I don't know. I don't know if both will go to the bench, but I do believe one of them will. No, go. I'm saying Cunningham uh, uh, stays uh, in there to play alongside. Okay. Nicobe. And, and then you think they just, they bench. I don't know. Tomorrow. 
I don't know which one it is. I would say Morrow because Cunning, they both have played well, especially over the last couple of weeks. But in terms of size and ability to stonewall a run, you look at Morrow, he's 6'1", 215. You look at Cunningham, he's like 6'3", 235. Yeah. Who do you want? I want a bigger guy. I want a bigger guy that can take on tackles or pulling guards coming around the edge to, to, to basically disrupt what they're trying to do and open a hole for a running back so somebody else like a linebacker or a safety can shoot through and, and, and blow up a running play. I, yeah. I don't know I don't know what Desai and, and, and Patricia are thinking in terms, do you want Morrow's speed or do you want Cunningham's stoutness on the field more times than not? That's, yeah, I think it's a tough call. I, you it, know what? It's a very it, tough call. It, it may be something where Nicobe's active – but he doesn't. He doesn't start right away. I don't know. I think you're gonna have to see how it how it shakes out. I I would hate to lose Cunningham's size, because I think you know you're smaller with both Morrow and and Dean. So you'd have to. I, I would rather have Cunningham in there personally. Um, as far as the <clears throat> linebackers go. Um, I can't argue. There's an argument for both. I can't yeah. argue. Um, if you have a team that is pounding the football at you and having success, you got to get the bigger body in there. If you got a team that that that's going to throw the ball more definitively more than run the ball, Morrow's a quicker guy. I got to have him in there. Yeah, you know it, it's a mix and match. I I, I don't know, it, and I think it's it determined by game to game. You know, it, it really is. It's like mm-hmm. the running back position. Who's the hot guy at that particular time? Who's making the plays at that particular time? Determine who's on the field more times than not. Yep. Well said. Well said, uh, my friend. All right. So beyond that, defensively, I think the corners have been fine. In other words, the starting corners, uh, Darius Slay. And of course, if you didn't hear earlier, he was uh, he was out of practice yesterday with a knee. If we find out what's going on with practice today, we'll let you know. Uh, and Bradbury, I think they've been fine. Not great, Derek. Not bad. They've been fine. Have they have they played up to the level you expect it necessarily or is this kind of what you anticipated with guys who were in their 30s now um for guys who are in their 30s uh are we we're talking about bradbury i'm trying to get i'm trying to get it's based on the individual rob and here's why okay I look at a Stefan Gilmore, who's in, who's like 32, 33, still playing at a high level. Yeah. Um, James Bradbury is what, 30, I believe it is. Yeah, 30, 31. Slay's 32-ish. Bradbury, they're, they're both playing at a good level. You know, a lot of people now are saying Slay has lost a step. Slay is getting beat more and more. Mm-hmm. Um, if you present that to Slay, I'm sure he would argue against that 100 times out oh, of 100. I'm sure he would. <clears throat> Um, I do think there's possibly some 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 creaks in the armor yeah. at this point, but I don't think it has been anything that has been definitively glaring in terms of a weakness up to this point. I think he is a smarter player. <clears throat> I think he reads uh, wide receiver routes uh, very well. I think he knows how to cheat. If there is such a thing as losing a step at 32, 33, which I'm sure there is, I think, you know, let's face it, players, when you get to that level, players know how to cheat. They have their own cheat sheet, how to cheat to get that same advantage that they've had when they were in their late 20s even. Um, I haven't seen, you know, you, let's, you, you correct me. Now, every cornerback gets beat. 
Yeah. But but I haven't seen Slade get beat consistently over the top in any way, shape, or form. Um, no, so nor, I, nor, nor have I. I, I don't know. Yeah. When I bring it up, I, I look at them, and I think they play, played pretty close to my expectation level. I think they've been a maybe a little less. I, I would like to see them be um, a little bit more. I, I think the team in general – early they were doing a good job taking the ball away we haven't seen it nearly as much i i think we're going to know a lot more about these guys derek i hate to always keep going to this like default here but i think we're gonna know a lot more about them when we start playing teams like miami and you know when we see those kind of things like when they start playing those teams that's what yeah, i think we're, yeah because let's face it i mean it's not that they haven't gone against good receivers they have i mean you you went against jefferson addison uh evans godwin McLaren, uh, Dotson, Cuff, yeah. you, you know, Puka Natua, et cetera. But it's really going to up the ante here with Miami, with their guys, with Washington. Again, you know, who were the guys I just named? Dallas, Kansas City, Buffalo, San, San Fran, Francisco. And so, yeah. see, here's the, th- here's the thing. Uh, Kansas City doesn't have a so-called number one receiver. But because of the scheme they run, they always get receivers open. It's like watching San Francisco. San Francisco has a better collection of pass catchers. But San Francisco's scheme always has guys open. And that's the way Kansas City's is. So you can't can't totally put the onus on the the Eagles' pass defenders because these are offenses that have chewed up very good pass defenses across the league. You just hope you can minimize the success of what these offenses will, will present to you. The only thing I don't like about Slay and Bradbury's play is I think they give wide receivers too much cushion. I don't know if that's on them or if that's the scheme that Desai wants to play, giving these wide receivers that much cushion. I think you need to come up and and bump these dudes, you know, knock them off their routes more, especially like in third and four, third and five situations. You know, you see them back off. You see a lot of teams do this, but more so. When you have the front four pressure – that this team has, I don't think your DB should be five to seven yards off the ball, giving them that kind of cushion to catch the ball in a seam and pick up additional yards because your DBs and your safeties are playing that far off of them. That's just my philosophy. I think you bring up an interesting point. Like, I don't know if they're – I know philosophically they don't believe in giving up the big play. Therefore, they play play it a little bit more cautious, if you will. But how much of that is because they know – that that's the best way to go with these guys at this point in their careers w- with Slay and Bradbury. I don't know. I mean, I think that's kind of the million-dollar question. It's the chicken or the egg uh, with this defense. But good thing with them so far is really good against the run, have to get better against the pass, that's for sure. Um, you know, I, I think, like I said, early on, you, you saw a lot of turnovers being created. That's something they need to get back to um, for sure. And I think this is a game where you can get that. This is a game where you can potentially – Gain a lot of confidence going into the Miami game, you know, really on both sides, of the ball, but especially on the defensive side. I think you hit it. I think you hit it right on the head. I, and I couldn't agree with you more. Um, this is a game you could you could pass some stats in a lot of ways, uh, sacks, pressures, running run defense, yep, uh, quarterbacks completion percentage, you know, dropping. Um, as good as Brees Hall is has been this week, he's running behind an offensive line that could be down two more offensive linemen. I don't see them having that measure of success running the football against this Eagles front. Um, 
this is the game you can be flawed and still be very successful in. Mm -hmm. And that's what I expect going into this game. You know, I don't think it's going to be pretty by any stretch of the imagination, but there better be things that you've identified over the first five weeks that you are working on that look better this week compared to the first five weeks. Not where you want it to be, but look better than what we've seen in the first five weeks, especially the red zone offense, or that could be a major concern. Agreed. Maybe All right, so, let's yeah. get a, let's get a timeout. Let's come back. We'll, we'll dive into the NFL. We have a game tonight, Gunner. Uh, yeah. Broncos and the Chiefs. We'll fill you in on Travis Kelsey's status for that game. Uh, a lot of other things going on. Frank Clark, who was played for both teams, could be going bye bye as uh, Denver denies they're they're selling parts off, but feels like they're selling parts off. Yeah. I okay. Yeah. Uh, really. We'll we'll see. Uh, I'll give you a status update on Daniel Jones, a bunch of other stuff, and we do our NFC power rankings. NFC Woo! top five power rankings. When we get back, don't go anywhere. That's Derek Gunn. I'm Rob Ellis. We're Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. I want to tell you about Flynn Tree Services. Yes, Flynn Tree Services is an experienced and licensed, also insured Pennsylvania tree services company that will trim or remove any unwanted trees off of your property. They offer cost-effective solutions to any tree problem that you may face and they are just a quick phone call away. They serve southeastern Pennsylvania, South Jersey, as well as northern Delaware. Now, keep in mind, this is kind of the calm before the storm, right? Fall, then the winter hits, and then you get some snow or some crazy weather, winds, all that kind of stuff could maybe bring some trees down. It's a good time to get your trees evaluated. Uh, and you can go to their Facebook or their Instagram page to get a uh, sampling of their work. Give Flynn Tree Services a call at 610 850 2848 610-850-2848 or online at flintreeservices.com. That's com. own a company and you're not producing a podcast you're missing out the public consumes messaging when they're ready join the professional podcast network of companies and let jacob media partners put you in the podcast arena come to our professional studio or we'll come to your place of business and professionally produce your company podcast call jacob media right now at 267-261-3428 267-261-3428 my name is dr bruce grossinger and I'm the medical director of Philadelphia PRP and Stem Cell Institute. I'm reaching out to those who suffer from spine and joint pain. We use treatment methods that require no surgery, no scalpel, no drugs. Running, walking, or whatever your desires are, Dr. Groshner is where you need to come. You can benefit from the same PRP and stem cell treatment as Wilbert Montgomery. Call us now at 610-222-5675. Corey. 
and save at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Thanks for hanging out with us today. We appreciate it, everybody. We are Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network, Rob Ellis, D-Gun, hanging with you. All right, Gunner, we do have a game tonight. It kind of got lost in the shuffle of, you know, everything that's going on here, Phillies and whatnot, but <clears throat> there is a game. Broncos and the Chiefs. Now, we know the Broncos have been a disaster. Um, Chiefs may be without Travis Kelsey. He was questionable. He's questionable for the game. Mm. If, you, if you didn't see last week's game, he went down – uh, non-contact, and you're thinking, oh boy, because yep. that's yep. usually bad. But he came out of the game, but came back, you know, as he usually does and plays well. So uh, he may be out now. When he was out the first game of the year, granted, Chris Jones was out too. The Chiefs did lose. I'm not making a case for the Broncos here by any stretch. I'm just telling you, it might right. give him a little bit more of a shot in this game. Um, They don't need... They don't need Travis Kelsey to beat Denver. <laughs> no. Ten and a half point favorites at, at Kansas City, by the way. Oh, at Kansas City on top of that? Oh, geez. Now, it might be a little bit closer, which will make it more entertaining because, let's face it, Thursday night games are very rarely competitive. It's always like a David versus a Goliath, you know, in, in, in one of those games. But I think um, based on what I said yesterday, Kansas City's not blowing people out. No. But Kansas City's finding ways to win games with that guy named Mahomes under center. Denver's in desperation mode. You know what Sean Payton say? We're not. We're not having a fire sale, really, because you, you you got rid of Randy Gregory. You let him go to San Francisco. Now the word's out that you're getting rid of Frank Clark, who you just brought in for good money from Kansas City this year. Yeah, you just restructured him too. Which yes, and and now. He's either they're either trying to get some kind of trade value for him, or they they may just end up cutting him. I, they must have they must have feel like they need pass rushers, Derek, because <laughs> yeah, you now let two walk out the door. I, I don't know. I mean this 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 is what's shocking. Denver's defense is a sieve. Denver's yeah. defense is last in the league. They're giving up four hundred and fifty one yards per game. This was a defense that was pretty good last year. Pretty good. Most of the year, they were in the top three. Right. They're giving up allowed. 36 points a game and giving up 188 yards rushing a game. Whew. Sean Payton has inherited a mess. And I thought Sean Payton, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm the first one to admit, I was wrong. I thought Sean Payton, just his presence, would go in there um, and, and turn that thing around. Now, offensively, they're like middle of the road. They're averaging 328 a game, which is nothing to write home about. And they're scoring 24 points a game. But they average, you know, they're, they're averaging 104 yards rushing. They have some good running backs. Yeah. 
But this has been an absolute collapse on, on the part of, of what Sean Payton um, has done with that team. Let it, me ask basically you. not better than what Nathaniel Hackett did. Well, that's that's what I was going to ask you. You know, and you said he's he's inherited a train wreck. I mean, I, I get it. They were a mess last year, but has he not made it worse? They're worse than they were under Nathaniel Hackett so far. They are. I mean, defensively, they're way worse. It's not even close. Russell Wilson's numbers aren't bad, but if you watch no, the games, no. he's not he's not the same Seattle guy. No, not even close. And, and um, I, I don't know, I don't know what it is. I, I don't know what it is. You know what? Funny outside of uh, outside of getting blown out by Miami seventy to nothing, um, they've been just like last year. As bad as their defense is this year. Just like but last year, they're losing a lot of close games. They lost yeah. to the Raiders by one point to open the season. The next week, they lose to Washington by two. Then after the blowout, um, the Miami, they came from behind and beat Chicago by three. And then they lose to the Jets by 10 mm-hmm. at home, to the Jets by 10 yeah. at home. So it's not like they're getting blown out except for the one game. It's just that they can't find a winning combination for yeah. whatever the reason. I, I, it's one of the more baffling things in all of football this year. It, it, I know they lost a couple of receivers due to injuries. I mean, Russell Wilson's completing 67% of his passes. He's got 11 touchdowns and only two picks, and he's been sacked 15 times, which is not bad, but not great. But yeah, I, the, I, um, I, I don't see it turning around. Like, I I, I, do I think they're going to win one game all year? No, I, I, you know, they'll, they'll mix in a couple wins here, but if I'm them, I'm absolutely selling off parts. I don't yeah, care what yeah. it looks like. I mean, I, I you know, I, I get you still don't. I think you still have to put up this this front that oh, we're still trying to win because it's only six games into the season, uh, whatever. By the time you get to like week eight or nine, I mean, I'm if this, and it still looks like this. I'm trying to get as many draft picks as I can get. Trying to get, get as much surplus. The problem they have is they're they're locked in with a lot of guaranteed money with Russell Wilson, and mm. Sean Payton's under a monster contract. So he's not going anywhere, even if this doesn't look like it's on the right path with him. Not only that, Rob, but look at the draft capital. This team has given up in two consecutive years to get Russell and Sean. They had to give up big capital to get Sean from New Orleans. True. You know, Peyton was still under contract with them. They have basically put themselves in draft purgatory. You know, so, and look at the draft picks they got back for, for Randy Gregory. What, a sixth round, sixth, seventh round pick? What are you going to get from Frank Clark? Yeah. What do you, you know, I mean, this is a, as bad as the defense is, it's a defense that has uh, 12 uh, quarterback sacks. Okay. Which is not bad. It's like right there with the, with the best of the best in the league. Um, But Frank Clark has played two games. He only has two tackles, um, no sacks, Mm -hmm. but how much guaranteed money did you give this dude? Yeah, and and, and how do you just make the move in the offseason and you know this quickly that he needs to go? It's almost like, was the general manager, I think it's George Patton, I think is his name, whatever. George George Patton. (laughs) I think that's what his name is, actually. And Sean Payton, were they not on an agreement here? Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's what I would be questioning if if I'm ownership, for example. Um you know, like what's going on here, guys? We just signed this guy and gave him pretty good money. It is George Patton. It's P A T O N. 
as okay. opposed to T-T-O-N. Okay. For what for, for those uh, historians uh, paying attention out there. But no, I mean, I, 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 I they're, they're a puzzling bunch, man. I didn't think it looked like this. I did not think it would look like this. No, no. I, I thought, I thought it would be a slam dunk that Denver would win more games than they won uh, last year. Now, what, here's what they signed Frank Clark to. So they signed him to, um, it was a one-year deal for $5.5 million, fully guaranteed. So the good thing is they're off from under that contract this year. They're going to have to pay him. Now, the contract can be up to up to $7.5 million with incentives. Well, there's no way he's getting $7.5 million right. from, from Denver if they cut him. Yeah. But basically, they realize right now that he has been a $5.5 million bust for this team. Yep. You know. Yep. But the good news for them is, considering the money they owe Russell, um, they get out from under Frank Clark in a hurry. And and I guess they didn't have to trade for him. They signed him as a free agent. So that's good because you gave up a whole lot of draft capital to get Russell Wilson in there, who has not been what you've expected him to be. No, um, not at all. So you're right. Trying to get back some draft picks because they're hurting for draft picks next year. They're hurting. Yeah, for sure. Uh, all right, a couple other things here. Um, we talked about it yesterday. Kirk Cousins is tuning out any noise about a potential trade, thinks it's frankly absurd, doesn't buy it, you know, et cetera. Um, so we'll, I don't think he's going anywhere ultimately. Um, I mean, how often do we see that kind of trade in the NFL and how quickly can you get a guy up to speed, even a veteran like that in your, in your, in your offense, if you're a team like the jets, I'm not saying it's not worth consideration. It is, but. I, I don't. I don't think he'll be moved. Let me put it to you that way. Well, um, as I talked about yesterday, um, if somehow, some way, <clears throat> the Vikings' season continues to spiral out of control, guess what? They're going to be at the top of the draft pecking order next year. The draft next year is loaded with good court. Hey, can you imagine them being in line to get Caleb Williams from yeah. USC? Yeah. And there's a number of other quarterbacks that are coming out next year that you know, scouts are salivating over as well. Mm-hmm. Imagine the Vikings being in the top five or six and getting a shot at one of these quarterbacks. It's not a team we thought, but it's a team nope. that very much could be in that mix, Derek. You're right. Absolutely. You're right about and, that. And, and let's, you know, people thought I was joking when I said this, and I've seen this, I've seen this reported too many times, you know, should the, should the Jets make the push to trade for Kirk Cousins before their season gets out of control? It looks bad right now. But they're still in the mix when you think it's about it. It's a straight rental. Yeah, you're renting him for rental, the rest of the rest this of year. Season. Yes. You know he's a free agent. He walks at the end of the year. You're going yep. back to Rodgers next year. Yep. It's not crazy. It's not crazy yep. at all. Yep. It isn't. And everybody yeah, yeah. knows what it is. Cousins knows. Cousins goes out there and balls out and wins some playoff games. Yep. And all he's doing is getting more money for himself next year. That's exactly right. Because he's not going to get it with the Jets. You know, and he still gets his money that he's, what is it? 20 something million, 30 something he's million this year. His, his salary is guaranteed yep. for this year. So he's it's not like he's losing money this year. And you know, the Jets get a quarterback, probably take a couple of weeks before he gets on the same page with the entire offense and gets in tune with like Alan Lazard and Garrett Wilson and those guys. But he can still be a guy who can help salvage their season. Yeah. You know, yeah. Now, you know, I always talk about how Kirk Cousins is is a Hall of Fame quarterback in the regular season. And an afterthought in the postseason. Never does anything in the postseason. Um, but he can help the Jets get there. And that was that would really help that organization save face considering the high expectations from one end of the country to the other. 
everybody on the outside looking in had in anticipation of the Jets being a serious playoff contender. Yeah, I, I, I don't disagree with you. Um, I don't know how much you've been paying attention to the Deshaun Watson stuff in Cleveland. It's kind of weird. So basically, Kevin Stefanski, the coach, said that Watson had been medically cleared, but he decided not to play what? with that shoulder. Okay. Watson hasn't spoken. Um, and they don't know if he's going to play this week either. And I don't believe he's practiced. So this thing's starting to get a little weird right now. Well, uh, on the surface, you know, a lot of times, let's face it, trainers, doctors will give, well, you know, structurally it looks sound. All the MRIs and the x-rays show yeah. it's structurally sound. But from a player, player perspective who knows what he's supposed to feel like to play the game at the highest level, you know, he, hey, look, man, I'm telling you guys, something's not right here. I don't have the same velocity. Um, you know, it, it hurts when I when I throw across my body. So, you know, there's going to be that battle. So if he yeah. decides to step down, I don't think in any way, shape, or form, um, in Deshaun Watson is shying away from playing. I think he's. I think he looks at it as having found, given been given newfound life. Yeah. You know, getting out of Houston, finally getting the uh, off the field mess behind him. Two hundred thirty plus million guaranteed with a team that when he's playing is a pretty good team. It's a pretty good team and a, and a playoff contending team. So I think, I think competitively he wants to be out there. If he decided not to play a game himself, that tells me he doesn't think something feels right in that shoulder, despite what the medical experts are saying. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the, uh, the other one, this is encouraging here for Miami. It looks like Jalen Ramsey's getting close. And they uh, they anticipate him being able to play in dis- by November. Mm. Uh, he had the knee surgery in July. <sighs> his his quarter his position coach Sam Madison said he's progressing physically, staying engaged mentally, and could play as early as November. So that that's big. You get you throw him into that mix. It's almost like a late season trade. Well, that that that's good. That's good for the opposition that have to play Miami up until he comes back. Um, bad for Miami because they still got to piecemeal this thing until he comes back. But you know, Jalen Ramsey is still a very good cornerback. Now he got he got lost in the shuffle in a bad Rams defense last year. People are saying, you know, he's lost this, he's lost that. Jalen Ramsey, Ramsey is still a good you know cornerback. Tall, can run, can battle bigger receivers, um, doesn't give up a whole lot. They're gonna need him back down the stretch. And you can't have them now. If you can't have them now, it's sure nice to have them when you need them most in late November, early December, if you can keep him healthy. Uh, Cowboys make it official. Leighton Vanderesh on the injured reserve. Woo, yeah. Yeah, with the neck. And they've they've now lost him. They lost Diggs. Yep. So the injuries are starting to mount a little bit on that side. Uh, you remember the Eagles uh, brought in Rashawn Evans for a minute? Yep. Remember him? Titans yep. former first rounder. Oh yes, they brought the Cowboys have brought him in too now, so he's he's in uh, with Vanderesh out. So a couple that's that's uh, get a little little worrisome if I'm a Cowboys there on that side of the ball. Well, sure. the Eagles let uh, let him go real quick uh, for whatever reason. They saw enough of him when he came in here and made a decision real quick. Okay, you're not what we're looking for. You know, uh, I just hope. If they do pick him up down in Dallas, he doesn't go down there. And all of a sudden, he's the talk of, of every time you see Dallas on a national game because he's fit into that defense so well and playing well. Yeah. That's the last thing I want to hear. I don't, I, man, I don't see that. I, I don't see that. I don't, um, I don't, but you never know. With schemes, I, you just never know. 
No, I hear you. Uh, all right. Interestingly enough, so if the Eagles beat the Jets and they're twelve and zero in the history of the uh, the matchup with with, with yep. each other, yep. The Eagles are. Uh, Jalen Hurts will join Tom Brady and Joe Montana as the only quarterbacks to win twelve straight on the road. Nice company right there. Hey, hey, you know what? That that's something you sit back when your days are set and done and talk about and brag about forever. That's some elite company right there, brother. You know. And people have to understand how hard that is to do to win 12 consecutive games on, on a road. You know, um, even when you're playing a team that's less than stellar, those teams, you know, they get they get tired of getting kicked around also. And they got some high-priced players on their team also. Team also and, yeah. you know, you just never know. You know, the term any given Sunday comes into play so well, so perfectly fit for NFL games because you just never know. From week to week, you look at the Buffalo team that blow out Miami and turn around and struggle to score points against the Jacksonville team. You know, you just never know week to week what could possibly happen. And of course, you keep your fingers crossed because you always have to factor in some kind of devastating injury that could occur. Yeah, that's always, always in play, man. There's no question about that. Uh, DK Metcalf uh, said that Jamar Chase is great, but I think Devin Witherspoon will get the best of them. The rookie Devin Witherspoon, your guy out of Illinois. I don't know. I, I I love Witherspoon. I'm not sure I'm going there. I'm not sure I'm going there on that one. Jamar Chase is a, is a, is a beast, and he came back pretty strong last week. DK, why would you put that that rookie on an island like that? You know, Rob. You know it's well documented. Witherspoon was my favorite cornerback coming out of the draft. Seattle takes him high. Yeah. Lo and behold, he has played very well. You talking about trying to defend Jamar Chase for a whole game? Yeah. And Joe Burrow seems to be getting back in sync now. Yep. Um, DK, come on, man. You got to be smart enough. You can't put a rookie. Now, if you're talking about Stephon Gilmore, that's one thing. When you're talking about a rookie, dude, it's got to go up against Jamar Case, Mr. 7-Eleven. He's always open. And last week, he was always open. You know. Um, Now, you know what's going to happen. Jamar is going to use that as bulletin board material. And want to go out there and put up similar numbers to what he did this past week. What do you have? 15 catches. Oh, and like one, was, one was a thing of beauty, one deep shot with the those deep two. shot. Yeah. It was awesome. So, you know, if, if Jamar Jamar is going to take what DK said and use it against Witherspoon. I and mean Witherspoon's like, I didn't say anything. I was keeping my mouth closed. Don't poke great players. Okay. Uh-huh. Just ask uh-huh. ask the Braves. Don't poke great yeah, players. Exactly. Anyway, uh, yeah. So I was I'm looking at that. I'm like, DK, I love That's, Witherspoon too. Don't yeah, do that. Yeah. Don't, no, no, don't no. do that to the don't do that to the kid, man. No, no. you know you uh, get that kid's feelings hurt. Yeah, uh, Daniel Jones not practicing. Derek, I, I don't know, man. I, I, there's no guarantees where this heads. If I'm the Giants, am I really messing with this guy with the neck? Nope. Like if, if we're up to today and he's still not practicing, and he's telling you it hurts worse than it did earlier in the week, I'm tell, I'm shutting it down, man. It's not something you want to be messing with. He's dealt with a neck injury before. Um, you paid this dude a lot of money. Do you really want to put him on IR the rest of the season? If you put him out there behind that offensive line, really? Yeah. I mean, this dude's taking a beating every week. I let I let Tyrod Taylor scramble around back there and take the brunt of the blows because Tyrod is at least a little bit more elusive yeah. than Daniel is, and he can avoid some of those direct hits. Um, doesn't mean the Giants' offense is going to be any better. Mm-hmm. But, Daniel, take your time. Take your time. Come back when you come back. And plus, I, am I putting Daniel Jones out there against Buffalo's defense? 
Yeah, right. That's the and an no. angry, an angry yeah. Buffalo yeah. defense coming off a loss last week. No. Yeah, I know. No, well, thank you. I'm glad you brought that up. So let's stay with that for a minute because Josh Allen had you know was again sort of defending Stephon Diggs and it, because there's another shot, excuse me, of him on the sideline. You threw the tablet down. He was ticked off. Now Diggs felt like the team lacked a sense of urgency in their loss last week. And Allen's point was just basically, look, this guy's a competitor. He and I don't have any kind of issues. I'm tired of answering this same question, you know, blah, blah, blah. At some point, we're not going to go as nuts over these guys having little tantrums on the sidelines. It's just kind of who they are, you know, and you just have to accept it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I mean, what do you want? I mean, what do you want? It is what it is. Yeah. Nothing you can do about it. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? Uh, Saquon is at practice today for the Giants, too. I just saw a video from uh, Pat Leonard, yeah. who covers the team for the New York Daily News. So he is there. And, and uh, see, that's, that's, that's another thing, Rob. No yeah. Daniel Jones. No Saquon, probably. Again. We're banged up, at least, Saquon. Who you knows? Know, you yeah. know, I mean, I mean, really? Um, if I was a Giants fan and had a ticket for this game, I'd try to sell this ticket real quick and try to make some money off this game. Yep. Because <laughs> – Yep. As much as as much as I enjoy rooting for my team, that's too gut wrenching to watch. It really is. Yeah. You know, why would I want to put myself through that misery? Now, if I'm watching, if I'm watching from home, when I get sick of it, I can turn to something else. But if I'm in a stadium and I paid my money to park and I bought food, more times than not, you're going to stay there for the duration because you can, you want to get your money's worth. Mm-hmm. But you want to have something to feel good about to cheer about and. You love the ISO shots of, of, of fans when they sit there with their blank look on their faces. Not just Giants fans, but giant, but fans in general when their team is just self, just imploding, and it's like, what do you do? Yeah. What what can you do in this situation? Exactly. Uh, exactly. All right. Let's uh, let's hop on over here yeah. to our NFC Power Rankings. Ooh. Okay. Uh, yesterday we did the NFL overall, our top five. This is our top five strictly in the NFC. Uh, why don't you go? You go first crack. Let's see if we're on the same page. Yesterday we were five for five, literally every single one the same. And after you go, if we're the same or whatever, or we're pretty close, I will literally hold up my sheet of paper. Okay. Show you what my, where I'm at to see how close we are. Okay. All right. Okay. Um, starting go from five to one, five to one. All right. Number five is Dallas. Uh, Dallas got embarrassed, but Dallas does have a lot of talent. And I do believe at some point they're going to get it right. So I put Dallas at number five, number four, I put in Seattle. Um, I think what they're doing out in Seattle is, is phenomenal. You know, um, the fact that Pete Carroll is not considered more for coach of the year is ridiculous for what he did for that team last year, what they're doing this year, the way they've drafted over the last couple of years, they got, they brought Bobby Wagner back home <coughs> and see, I was playing great football. This was tough. I put Detroit right ahead of Seattle because I think Detroit's offense is a little bit more creative Yeah, in terms of how they strike Seattle lines up and they just beat you. You know, they'll find a way to beat you with their weapons. They are very meticulous in what they do. Um, and But Detroit, you know, they flea flickers and all this stuff. You know, they have all kind of gadget stuff going on. Detroit's defense is playing well. Seattle's defense is playing well. 
It was a tough call, but I put Detroit at number three. Now, obviously, the Eagles are number two right now, even though they're undefeated. Eagles are number two. I think the difference between the Eagles number two and the team that's number one, who you already know, is 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 overall play. And I think the team that's number one, San Francisco, overall has played a much better brand of football across the board, a much more a much stouter brand of football. And I and I said it, and, and people agree that right now. San Francisco is on paper and and the way they've played through five games. San Francisco is the most complete team in the NFL right now. Okay. In all phases of the game. We were close. Oh, oh. Not exactly on the same page, Derek. Oh. So uh, at number five, five is where I have Seattle. Okay. I have Seattle at five. And I know they only have one loss. I, 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 maybe it's, I don't know. I, I have the Cowboys at four now. Ooh. Yeah. And considering some of the injuries, you can make a strong case that they should have been five where you had them, but I have them at four still. I have a okay. little bit more belief, I guess, uh, than some do, but so I, I just, that, and those could easily be flip-flopped three. I, I agree with you. Detroit's three. Without a doubt, uh, their offense is really good. They're playing better defense. They do create turnovers. They have a good defensive line. Two is the Eagles. I mean, look, yeah. they're undefeated. There's no question about it. But simply because through five, they haven't played the Ray game, where I feel like if I was grading San Francisco, I would give them an A, probably an A-plus through through five. The Eagles, I'd probably go like A-minus, B-plus, simply because they yeah. are undefeated. Yeah. We know they haven't played as well as they can play. So I would go 49ers, Eagles, Lions, Cowboys, Seattle. That's Seahawks. That's how I would go. Oh, so we got three I, out of five. It's close. Our top three are the same. Yeah. The only difference is the last one. That's the mm. only or the last two. Sorry. Mm. But that's it. So I mean, look, it's it. I would say this too. After you go 49ers and Eagles, there's a there's a there's a space. There's yep. a spacing in there. It's yep. it's not bup, 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 bup. it's definitely different, man. Um, for sure. But yeah, listen, I I, I hear you, Twist. Twist says, Rob, we hold the crown till we don't. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. I mean, the Eagles True. are the ultimately the team to beat until somebody knocks them out. out True. Of them. I agree with that. I'm just ranking through five the team that I think has played the best football. So yep. that's all. That's all. All right, let's get a timeout. Uh, we come back. We will co- we will talk to uh, head coach Billy Crocker of Eastern University. We'll see how his squad did this past week. Look forward to next week as well with the coach. We'll get the birthdays, movies, all kinds of good stuff in store for you. Uh, when we come back. So don't go anywhere. That's Derek Gunn. I am Rob Ellis. We are Sports Take. We'll be right back. I remember getting my heart broken when they lost the Super Bowl in 2004. We're big Eagles fans. We moved to South Philly because of the Eagles. When they won, we went straight to Broad Street and uh, everybody was going nuts over there, and it was just a, a memory that you'll never forget. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. 
At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Staffing is not easy, but that's what we do every day, all day. The key to our success is storytelling, asking the right questions to find the right people. Hi, I'm Gary Kane, president of Kane Partners. We want to be your staffing partner. Since 1977, it's always been about you, the community at Rafferty Subaru. And through the Subaru Love Promise, we prove we care by supporting charities like So Good Now. Soganow helps kids in under-resourced areas by connecting them with student-athletes to serve as mentors. We remove barriers so athletes can help youth in the corners of our communities where light and love are needed most. When you choose Rafferty Subaru, you help organizations like So Good Now. It's all about you at Rafferty Subaru. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. Story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. We're back. Final segment of the show. That's Derek Guy. I'm Rob Ellis. We're Sports State, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. I uh, appreciate you hanging out with us on this Thursday. All right. Joining us right now, as he does each and every Thursday, is the head football coach at Eastern university that would be the one and only billy crocker billy welcome to the show how you doing what's up guys how are you how you doing today i'm hanging in we're doing good we're doing good <laughs> we know it's not uh, easy man coming on after losses we get believe like derek and i were talking about it in our pre-show meeting and we, yeah. we appreciate you are a no, you're, I, I you stand up you man you're a very positive <laughs> yeah, guy man. Yeah. no honestly it's it, and it's it can't be easy you know coming off a loss for sure yeah yeah no it's it's listen it's and you know it's hard with, with the team you know ever you know and we can and I told the guys and something I try to, maybe I'm just talking to myself more than, than them sometimes, <laughs> but it's, we're just in such a unique situation this year. We're, we're different where it's not your typical, Hey, we're struggling or whatever. Cause in a lot of things we do, we're not struggling. Um, and it's just that the nature of what we are, we're a first year program. And I said, no one said this was going to be easy. No one said yeah. we were going to see immediate results. You know, I thought, you know, I think maybe because we, we we did some really good things early in the season that it kind of gave you a little momentum or a little a little hope, like, okay, maybe, maybe we are gonna roll this pretty fast. And then you hit reality a little bit at times and it's like, okay, let's 
let's really look at where we are and, and what this situation is. Coach, in a situation like this, obviously the coaching staff has to be in sync 24-7. Yeah. What's the what's – the, if you can reveal to us, what is the constant chatter between you and your coaching staff in terms of continuing to build young men – into a into a unit to learning yeah. to rely on young men through thick and thin, come hell or high water. Absolutely. You know, yeah. you know what I mean? Absolutely. No, I think I said a few weeks ago on the show was again, I don't think anyone involved with us, whether it's coaches, whether it's players, are trying to to mess up or do something wrong. Right. So it's I think we need to, you know, really pick our battles in in terms of, you know, jumping on a kid or something like that. It's hey, it's you know, we're, we're teachers and we're teaching and we're building, um, literally building, um, you know, and I think that's the biggest thing is we got to try to, you know, that line of being as positive and, and, and reinforcing those things as we can versus also, Hey, the accountability of, Hey, we got it. We got it. Some point kind of try to get what we're looking for at the same time, you know? So, um, and it's, it's unique because I do, especially last year, you know, into this year is, not just coaching the players, but coaching the coaches <laughs> to an extent. Yeah, yeah, I have, yeah. you know, a lot of my coaches are super young, uh, super young. Oh, wow. you know, I've, okay. The majority of my career, I've always been one of the younger guys on staff. And, and all of a sudden I'm the elder statesman. I might be the only one who's married or the only one and the only certainly the only one with kids. Um, so I got a lot of young coaches as well who are very impressionable and, you know, coaching them before we get to coach the players is, is also something that we, we, you know, I have to focus on. Last week, it was kind of weird, right? Uh, you, you were dealing with some weather conditions again. Uh, you had some bad luck with mother nature. We, we, we get it. Trust me. It's, it's yeah. but there's nothing you can't control that. Obviously. Correct. But two safeties pretty early is a bizarre thing in a football game. I've and, never, I think that in the first quarter was four to nothing. And I'm like, what, in, what inning are we in? Is this, yeah. Well, um, this, what's happening? I got to find my reliever. Um, yeah. You know, so um, no, that was, that was certainly unique. And um, I've never, I don't think I've ever been a part of that to be honest with you. And it just, it was hard. It was a hard hole to get out of because, <laughs> You know, we, we, you know, we make a stop on defense to start the game, you know, and what led to is our, we had a punt returner who we lost over 50 yards on two punts that we didn't feel. Oh, man. Which the first one put us on the minus one yard line and, you know, one play safety. And then all of a sudden you're kicking from the 20 right. and they, they were starting, I think of their, of their like 14 possessions, I want to say like eight or nine of them were inside the 40 yard line. Oh. Um so defensively was a little bit of a battle, um, you know, to maintain. And they did a really good job doing that. We went to halftime, it was 12 nothing. I'm like, guys, yeah, your defense like, we're great good. Time. Guys, yeah. we're good. Like, it's 12 yeah. nothing. We get the ball coming out. Yeah. Let's go. And sure enough, we fumbled. Um, you know, but it was, um, you know, but again, it was the heavy, heavy. It was heavier rain this week than it was two weeks ago. And again, we're not built to say, hey, we're just going to run the ball against you. And it's just not who we are, mm -hmm. you know, right now physically. <sighs> Coach, I want to go back to the uh, coaching aspect that you were yep. talking about a moment ago. Um, you know, I, I find it interesting that as the head coach that you are a father figure, not just to players, but also to a coaching staff. Yep. You know, most of the times when you're a head coach, you have multitude of equals, same age, same experience. Yep. So what is that added responsibility like? Because you're, you're coaching up coaches as well. Yeah, no, it's – and honestly, I had someone to really – great to learn from like coach tally for me was, was sort of that figure as well. He was, 
he was my head coach. He was a father guy, a father figure to me. He was a friend and still is to this day. So I kind of learned from him a little bit. And, but what I need to remind myself constantly is not only are the players looking at me for, for, but, but these coaches are as well, you know what I mean? And, you know, and sometimes as young coach and I trust me, I way too, um, you know, you, you kind of fly off the handle. You're, you know, you're, you're super energetic as a young coach and that's what you want to, you know, the, how you want to be perceived, you know, is to have a good amount of energy, but it's, they got to learn how to, you know, always channel that energy in the right direction. You know, if I get too high or too low, they're going to follow suit. And, and again, and the players will as well. So Mm. even if it's in the meeting room in the staff room before we start the day, or even on Sundays when we come in after a loss, it's, you know, I got to walk in there and not jump them the same way you wouldn't do to the players, you know what I mean? Mm. And trust me, listen, I've been, <laughs> I've been in some really, really tough staff rooms. Um, you know, and I always told myself, Nope, I, I don't want to do it that way. Um, yeah. I just don't yeah. think anyone benefits from that. That makes sense. Well, look, you're always looking to glean positives, right? Yeah. And you had a big connection on a touchdown pass from your quarterback who yeah. seems to have, have had a nice year for you. Uh, Sabor Stevens, yeah. he hits Eddie Swinton on a 65 yarder. Let's talk about that. You know, how, how you feel your quarterbacks progressed as the season's going on. Yeah, good. Up and again, he's he's a freshman, um, and I think when you're coming from high school, you know, he's, he went to Northeast High School in Philadelphia, and just yeah. you know, kind of some of those. They, there wasn't sort of an offensive structure where it was, you know, reading things or you know making decisions pre-snap and post-snap. More of it was, hey, this is what we're running, and just go. You know, yeah. and he does that stuff really, really well. Um, and again, we just have been in the last really two to three weeks in situations game wise, where I don't know if he can really let his strengths show as, as much as they are there, you know what I mean? And it just hasn't been. And, and honestly, this weekend looks the same, <laughs> um, Saturday is supposed to be another washout. Yeah. So you're we'll, at Franklin field. Saturday hey, coach, night, hey, coach, I, I don't want to rain on your parade, but I, I was going to mention, uh, uh, the weather forecast. <laughs> In this region, Saturday, high of 57 degrees, 70% chance of rain. Can't catch oh, I'm well aware. I'm well aware. Trust me. Uh, we're, we're, listen, we were looking at options of, hey, should we, can we play this game on Friday? Can we right. you know, move it to Sunday? Like I'm like, we're looking for something. Oh, um, my goodness. But listen, it it is what it is. Like You can't control it. You got to go out and play. And like I tell the guys, too, is, hey, listen, they have to go out and play in it as well. Yeah. Um, you know, so let's not. Let's try to handle those those as, as much as we can. But um, you know, again, I think Sabor is growing. Um, you know, with with the position, and he certainly has, I think, some talent around him on the perimeter. Um, you know, and um, you know, with the consistency, it, it's it, it's been a tough evaluation for him and of him because of what the last two games have presented mm, weather wise. Yeah. yeah, it makes sense. Makes sense. Um, give me one other positive you gleaned from the game. I know it's tough when you lose, but what, what else? Uh, stood Again, out I just think these guys, they, you know, they were, the, they were into it. it. It was cold and rainy up there the entire, it rained hard in the second half than in the first half and our sideline and our kids, they were in it. Like we, we, uh, we scored that touchdown. We, we had a little trick thing where we went for two points, a little muddle huddle a la Chip Kelly used to do when he was at New Hampshire, every time they scored, um, so we got it. It was great. Threw it to our long snapper. I mean, our short snapper for a two point conversion. And uh, it's 18, eight, you know, almost going into the fourth quarter. I'm like, guys, we're here. Like yep. we're two scores down and we can go do this thing. And those guys on the sideline were great. And those kids, 
they, they just com- continue to compete for four quarters. You know what I mean? And that's what it's been. And I think once you get, you can do that consistently, regardless of what it says on the scoreboard, things are going to be fine. You know, yeah. coach, you've right. been around the coaching yeah. game a long time. Yeah. Um, but, but we, we, as we know, when we self-evaluate, we, we never stop learning. Yeah. Um, how much have you learned about yourself in this role oh, that man. maybe you didn't anticipate going into this when you took this job? No, I just think, again, sort of I, I, a ton. Like, I always believe you learn more from, you know, from kind of getting punched in the face than, than yep. you do anything else. You know yep. what I mean? And yep. honestly, I think it started for me. I, I was very spoiled when I was at Villanova for those, you know, 15-ish years. You know what I mean? We were we were really good most of the years. We had good kids. We had good players. And every all the coaches stayed there for a long time. So it was almost like it wasn't reality, <laughs> you know, then I, you know, then I had yeah, a chance to go yeah. up to Connecticut, um, up at UConn and, and that was a different ball game. Um, the, the program was not in good shape and it was hard and you know what I mean? And, and I, but I learned so much of myself and what that was in those two years there because yeah, it was yeah. so hard. And then this, a whole nother ballpark of just of all the different things that, you know, goes into this, you know what I mean? Outside of the field, uh, you know, off the field rather, Um, you know, just, you know, from an organization, I I joke around all the time that I'm going to absolutely have a doctorate in in counseling when this thing is said and done with, with all the, you know, the things and, you know, the young people that you deal with on a daily basis and, and the problems that they have off the field that you're helping them with. And, and, and honestly, that's, that's what the job is, you know what I mean? Especially at the college level, you know, so I've, learned a ton. And I think I've calmed myself down a little bit just to, you know, really step back and look at the big picture. And again, like I said, cause there's so many people now looking at you yeah. and what to do, like, and how to react and what's next. And that that's the biggest probably change for me that I've learned over the last, you know, okay. you know, 10, you know, 10 or 12 months. Makes sense. Coach, listen, uh, people can catch the game AM 990. Uh-huh. And of course the, uh, the Jacob platforms and, uh, at Franklin Field and tonight, let me give you yep. uh, Saturday night. Let me give you the schedule. What we have, uh, you know, left here, Albright uh, coming up that Saturday, yep. uh, and then Kings College on the road. Then you're back home for Fairleigh Dickinson, and then it's Wider and Stevenson to close out. Real quick, give us a, a little synopsis here on Albright. What what, what you can expect? Um, again, I think a team that's that's really doable for us. You know, I think um, you know if we play the way I know we're capable of playing, I think we can you know really compete and and have a good chance to come out with a win, um, you know, but again, we got to continue to try to do the things that, that good football teams do, you know, and, and don't get ourselves beat, which again, I think we've done the last couple of weeks. Okay. All right. Hey, coach, coach. Just, just yeah. coach to add to that real quick, you're, you're facing an Albright team that's over the season. Yep. They've, they've scored a total of 19 points in yep. five games yep. and you have a young, hungry team. Yep. How much do you preach? Don't you dare over uh, underestimate this team? Because that's when you can get bit. Oh, absolutely. I think that I don't think we're in a position to overestimate anybody. Okay. I said, listen, you, we were picked to be last in the league, you know, and yes. so we were, we were looking up at everybody. So we shouldn't be looking at anyone on our schedule saying, oh, hey, we got this one. I said, everyone had us circled, everybody, yeah. um, including this team. You know what I mean? So um, I don't think I don't think that's an issue. I think the guys just maybe from a realistic standpoint have a, OK, hey, this is. A better matchup for us than maybe it will be in you know three weeks or something. Right. You know? Okay. So, All right. 
if that makes sense. No, it does. It does. Yeah, Coach, absolutely. listen, uh, we appreciate it as always, man. Yes. We're, we're looking forward to talking to you again next right. week. And good luck right. this week. Good luck to you, Coach. Uh, I appreciate stay, it, guys. Stay dry. Take it. Stay dry. <laughs> yeah, good hey, luck. Hey, I'm, I, might, uh, I might go up and coach in the booth this week. I don't know. <laughs> We wouldn't fault you. Coach, hey, that's, not leader, that's not leadership right there. Hey, hey, I can't make decisions when I'm this wet, you know? Exactly. <laughs> Thanks, Coach. Appreciate it. All right, guys. We'll see you later. All right. All right take you care. got it. That is Coach Bye. Billy Crocker, Eastern University. Oh, yeah, guy, that's tough, man. It's it, Look, he's he knew what the undertaking was. He knew what he was getting himself into. It, it is an upstart. It is, it is a, a startup, you know, kind of thing. It, it's hard. Absolutely. It, it's hard. Um, it, it's, it's tough enough to be in a situation, but when you get rained on every week, oh, also it's like it's like and it's, 70% chance of rain this this Saturday, and, well. then, and then like all the days leading up are nice, and then yes, Saturday, it's yes. I know, I know, it's unbelievable. Oh my goodness. Um, all right, so a couple things. Uh, not on a great front here. According to EJ Smith, uh, he's not seeing Darius Slay at practice today for the second day in a row. You get to Thursday, it's starting to get a little, eh, I'm just saying. So we'll see. We'll see what, what further comes down the down the pike there. But that's uh, a little concerning there. There's no doubt. Well, I should have a little bit more on Darius for you tomorrow. You okay. Know. Okay. Uh, I'm still talking to people back and forth. So I'll uh, I'll give you an update sometime tomorrow. Yep. yep. Okay. All right. Uh, if, and again, if I, we get anything else before we get off the air, we'll pass it along from Eagles practice too, from some of the beat guys who are down there. We didn't get a chance to get to this before we get to birthdays and movies and all, and how we usually close out the show, Derek. Yep. It is remarkable that there's only one baseball series left. I mean, something? the, the uh, Orioles get swept out who had an incredible season, right? They just get their doors blown off. Um, Houston last night takes care of business against the Minnesota twins. The Diamondbacks sweep out the Dodgers last night and, you know, yes. just put put them away. And and this is it. Phillies are the lone team still standing. And, you know, hopefully it, it you know, the, the Phillies can take care of business tonight. And, and then there's every series is over. Every NLDS is over. NL and ALDS is over. When was the last time the playoffs played out like this, Rob? Everybody's getting swept out. I mean, of course, Minnesota beat. Houston won game, but then Houston goes on a tear. I can't remember the playoffs across the board ending this quickly. I know. Um, getting to the ALCS and the NL, you know, CS as well. I, this there, is weird. If it's the weird, Phillies man. win, Derek, there aren't any baseball games Friday or Saturday. Nothing. Well, in, in a way, though, that's good. We can focus on college football. football. <laughs> yeah. I know people are anxious, but let's let's just be able to just embrace the football scenario this weekend, please. Let me give you one more thing that's that's good. So yeah, let's say the Phillies advance. They wouldn't play. They would have off Sunday, as I mentioned, so that there's no conflict with the Eagles. They would play Monday, Tuesday. I mean, again, scheduling working out very, very well for, for yeah. the sports fan. You know, yeah. you get your yeah. Eagles Sunday. Boom, Phillies Monday, Tuesday. So all good. All good on that front. But yeah, it's been it's been pretty wild. We talked about that stat earlier. Uh, of the five teams of the five best records in baseball, they've only won one game in the entirety of the postseason. That's it. That that is crazy. That's, that's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. Wow. What's your sense tonight? What what is your sense with uh with Suarez going against Strider in, um, in a potential closeout? I feel good. I feel good with Suarez on the, on the mound, considering how he pitched that first game. We got in a little trouble, but you know nothing, nothing major. Um, anytime Strider steps on the hill, it's always a problem. You know, I'm hoping they can jump on him early and knock him out. If Strider's in there for seven innings or seven plus innings, that's that's a problem. You know, that's a major problem. I don't want to see this series go back to Atlanta. I think 
you know, I talked about how yesterday, if the Phillies lost game two, that's a lot of pressure on them. But the pressure is squarely. The pressure, the pressure globe, the weight of the pressure globe is square, uh, squarely on Atlanta because this series is played out exactly the same way as last year. Split in Atlanta. Phillies come home game three, six run third inning, get blown out, take care of business, leading up to the, the, the to potentially the deciding game. And for a team that has the offensive prowess of, of the Braves, they have not lived up to their end of the bargain in terms of making this an interesting series. Yeah, that, That's got to be weighing on their minds. Their big guns have not produced consistently like the Phillies have. Striders on the hill. Phillies have beat him two times in two years in the playoffs. The, the mojo, as we call it, the mojo, big mo, is definitely in favor of the Phillies in this game tonight. I'll tell you the thing I also like, Derek, but because the game was not competitive last night, you didn't have to use Alvarado, Kimbrel. You know, Sir Anthony didn't get a ton of work. He pitched, he did pitch, but it you know, wasn't like super high stressful situations. Like you're in pretty good shape. Kimbrel, yeah. Alvarado, Hoffman are all yeah. available yeah. and weren't even used last night. So you know, and I don't, I, I agree, yeah. but we had Ben Davis on a little bit earlier. If you missed any of that, you can check it out at jacobsports.com or Jacob Sports YouTube cha- channel. But um, I agree with Ben in this sense. I don't think this is going to be the same quick hook for Ranger Suarez tonight. Like, I, I, let me put it to you this way Derek, if he's in the fourth inning and hasn't given up a run or has given up like a run and looks really good, he's going to keep rolling with him. And why not? I, you know what, Rob? I don't know yeah. because of the strategy behind it. Let's say he's in the fourth inning. Yeah. Let's say it's a 0-0 game or a 1-1 game. Suarez comes out after dominating the first three innings. All of a sudden, Atlanta has men at the corners with one out. Yeah. I think Rob Thompson gets itchy and and may pull the hook on him again. Uh But I think Suarez will have a better understanding this time of why this strategic move is made compared to basically looking like he was blindsided in that first game. Interesting. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right, that, that's definitely something to keep your eye on. Um, that is yeah, for sure. Absolutely. All right, let's do some uh, some birthdays and some movies. All right. What's my dang birthday list here? Okay, here we go. All right, here we go. Hugh Jackman, uh, actor, is fifty five years One of my old. Favorites all time. He's great. I mean, yeah. I, he's he can. He, I, I love guys who have range, and I, he's he's a range guy to me. <clears throat> he can do Wolverine, but he can do other stuff. He's also a very yes. talented singer and dan- like he's a real showman. You know what I mean? Speaking of showman, I think one of his finest roles was in that movie, The Greatest Showman. I do that too. Movie about him being the uh, circus ringleader. Yes. And the musical scores, and he can actually sing. Yeah, he's he's, he's a sing as well. Threat type, like he's that guy. Yeah. I love that movie. I, I, if, if I see it on, I'll still watch that movie. I grace, you know, with, with Zendaya in the movie and all that. Yes. I, it's a and Zach Efron. Efron. He, he's very good movie. at it. Yeah. 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 I agree. With you. I think it's an excellent movie. Yeah. I'm, I'm there with you. Uh, Josh Hutcherson, who was, um, you've seen him in the, like the hunger games and a yep. bunch of other stuff, uh, 31 years old, uh, you know, good, good actor. Um, certainly has, has gotten a fair, he, he was, he started acting when he was a kid. I saw him in a, a movie RV with Robin Williams, which he was very funny. And, 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 uh, years ago, my kids used to love that movie. Uh, Luciano Pavarotti, one of the great voices of our time, Derek, uh, was the greatest opera tenors oh. ever. And he's a goat. Like he's a Mount Rushmore opera tenor, right? Yeah. Um, born on this day, nineteen thirty-five. Now, fitting, Derek. Fitting. Callum Scott, who sings the song "Dancing on My Own," which has become the Phillies' theme song. Yes. 
Today's his 35th birthday. Wow. Close it out on Callum Scott's birthday. Wow. There we go. Wow. Huh? It's a sign, Rob. It's a it's sign. It's destined. Uh, this guy's a really good at Japanese actor. I'm going to butcher the name. Here we go. He's 63. Uh, Hiroki Sonata. Close enough. All right. He's 63. He's been a lot of different things. Uh, you'd recognize him if you, if you saw him. Melvin Franklin, the great singer lost him pretty young. too. Yes, one uh, of the temptations. Phenomenal. What, what, a, what a, he was a bass, bass singer. Yep. He had that deep voice, man. Um, but anyway, Ryan Clark, uh, ESPN analyst, longtime NFL player, played his college ball at LSU. He is 44 today, is Ryan Clark. Not bad for an undrafted free agent coming out of LSU. I'll tell you, he had, his best years, in my opinion, were in Pittsburgh, but he had good years with Washington, Pittsburgh, and yeah, and, and had a nice career, and he has really, really parlayed that into an excellent uh, career uh, in front of the camera. Uh, Dick Gregory, Dick Gregory, who was a comedian and activist, yes. um, you know, was a guy in the in the in the fifties and sixties and seventies, even who was who was very much at the forefront of a lot of movements. Um, actually, had some cameos in the Rock in Rocky One uh, as well. Did Dick Gregory, uh, Philadelphian, uh, also? Who else do you have uh, birthdays? Uh, wasn't oh, it fun wow. today? Um, Adam Rich, uh, the kid who played Nicholas Bradford in the uh, comedy Eight Is Enough. Yep. For five seasons. Uh, he was born on this day in 1965. Unfortunately, he passed away uh, this year at the age of 54. Yeah, it's a real um, shame. The actress Susan Anton from Cannonball Run 2 was uh, born on this day. Dick Stockton, Philly's own Dick Stockton, legendary broadcasting voice, is still with us. Thank you, God. 81 today. Yep. Uh, Tony Kubek, you know, four-time All-Star, three-time World Series champion, and you know, he was a 1957 American League Rookie of the Year and a great broadcaster as well. He's still with us. He's 88, by the way. He's from the great city of? Milwaukee, Wisconsin. There you go, baby. Boom. Now, this one is – how much time we got? Okay, I can get a little volume. We got, we, yeah, we can do it. We got, we're all right. Leon Lett uh-huh. is 55 today. Leon Lett had two of the more infamous plays in, in the history of pro football. As a matter of fact, two of his gaffes have been consistently voted – as two of the top five gaffes that ever occurred in the history of pro football. Yep. One occurred in Super Bowl 27 against Buffalo. Yep. He scoops up a ball, takes off running from the end zone, gets to the 10-yard line, holds it up, <laughs> yep. and Buffalo Bills wide Tasker. receiver. Tasker, was it Don, Tasker or Don Beebe? Don Beebe. Don Beebe. Don Beebe comes up behind him, slaps the ball out, yes. his hand rolls through the end zone, touchback. He's left with egg on his face. Yep. But, of course, at that time, Dallas was winning 51-17. It didn't matter. Yeah, unfortunately, anyway. it didn't matter, yeah. The other one occurred on Thanksgiving. Now, 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 wait a minute. That happened. It's the weird thing is two happened in the same year, two different seasons, oh. but the same year. Now, the, the, the Super Bowl gaffe, January of 1993. Yeah. Following season, 1993, Thanksgiving Day. All right? In the snow, which you don't in see in Dallas. No. Yes. The 7-3 Cowboys are playing the 8-2 and two Miami Dolphins. Yep. P. Stoyanovich lines up for a 41-yard field goal in the snow. 41-yard field goal. Cowboys block the ball, okay? Yeah. 15 seconds left in the game. Cowboys block the ball. Oh, my God. And the Cowboys are celebrating. You don't have to touch the ball. They automatically get the ball. Just leave it alone. Get away from it. Yep. Leon sees a live grenade, decides to try to pick up the ball. He slips, and the ball goes rolling down the field towards the end zone. 
Miami recovers it. At, now, as a matter of fact, Miami recovered it in the end zone. Yeah. But because of the muff rule, they got it at the one-yard line. They get a game-winning field goal. Stoyanovich kicks it. Miami wins the game 16-14. Leon Lett. Unbelievable. All right, good. Well, I'm glad you brought that one up. That's good. Good work out of you. So let's see. The next one will be. We got to be quick now. We're in in hyperdrive. Dimonaco, a great creator. He created the Purge franchise. Uh, Cattell Marte, second baseman for Arizona, is 30 today. Former quarterback Chris Chandler, 58. Mm -hmm. Uh, Chris Wallace, journalist, 76. Um, And Kirk Cameron, who was on Growing Pains, 53. That's all I'll do. All right, quickly, movies. Uh, Argo. 2012, really good movie. Sideways, 2004. We on the Night, 2007. Beautiful Boy, 2018. Why Did I Get Married, 2007. You got anything else? No, I think a lot of men have said that in their lifetime. Why did I get married? (laughs) You said it. I wasn't one of them. I'm not one of them. Trish. No. No, I'm not one of them. All right. All right. I'm trying to help you. All right. Let's, uh, we got to wrap it. Unfortunately, I wish we had more time, but we want to thank Tone to Shields. Tone, excellent job producing. Thank you, Tone. Uh, Thanks, everybody in the chat. Uh, appreciate you streaming, everybody listening as well. Uh, we'll be back at it tomorrow. We will recap game four, Phillies, and go full-blown into the Eagles and the Jets and also preview the best games of the week, Derek, and top five AFC power rankings tomorrow. Woo! So we got a lot in store. Go Phillies. Enjoy the game, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow. Stay tuned for the National Football Show with Dan Cilio. Take care.